Hello, welcome to the Masonic Railtable broadcast, episode 400. Yes. We so, paid all these. We paid these thousands and thousands of people to, to be here. Help him. Yes, everybody. Yes. Hello, welcome to the Masonic Rounds. Oh, that's feedback. Hey, Joe. Hey, buddy. Hey. So, usual disclaimer to pl- applies. I don't remember it all, but big time. The thoughts and opinions expressed here are solely those of the participants and whoever we bring from the audience, and do not reflect any Grand Lodge statements or positions. Except in the case of when we might get like a past grandmaster to come up and talk, possibly. Um, possibly. But uh, yeah, these are our thoughts are our own. We're keeping this conversation open and on the level as we've done for the past 399 episodes. Welcome to 400. Yay! So let's see introductions. We're going to start over there. So who are you? Hi, I am uh, Joe Martinez. Um, I still haven't gotten kicked off the show, so that is a big plus. Um, Working on it. Let me tell you about 401. Yeah, yeah, so might be a big, <laughs> big change. That's what my tower reading said today. <laughs> Lots of changes happening today. Joe Martinez, uh, still master of Manassa Lodge for another two months. Um, yeah, yeah, all right. And a uh, member of many other things, and uh, I've been on the show for not 400 episodes, but... Uh, yeah, I've definitely been a fan, and I'm looking super psyched to the next 400. Nice. So. Are you running like social media and stuff tonight? Yep, I got okay. the YouTube and the book face. Obviously, you're playing the audio, so. Right on. Okay, Not cool. anymore, but yeah. Uh, the book face. Going next, Robert Johnson. Robert Johnson, past master of Waukegan Lodge number 78 in Waukegan, Illinois, and the uh, current sitting secretary at... <laughs> <laughs> Space Novum Lodge, 1183, the premier <clears throat> Masonic Education Lodge in the state of Illinois. Hoorah! Next up, this guy. Hey everybody, um, Jason Richards here. Hi mom. Uh, past master of Vacation Lodge number 16 in Clifton, Virginia, and member of the Colonial Lodge number 1821 in Washington, D.C., and Lafayette Lodge number 79 in Zanesville, Ohio. Excellent, excellent. And you know me, my name is John Ruark, past master of the Patriot Lodge number 1957, Fairfax, Virginia, uh, UGLE, what's the uh, Internet Lodge, 9569? 9659. 9659, okay. 69? I, I almost transposed those, but no. We oh, you know it, Sailor. Yeah. Under the Grand Lodge of. United Grand Lodge United of Grand England, Lodge, yeah. Not, not the You're good ancient English. Grand Lodge of England. Yeah, right on. Okay. So, yeah, and then let's see. Um, there's all four of us. So we are here. Where are we, Jason? We are here in um, Greensboro, North Carolina for Masonic Con South. Yeah, it's super excited to be here. It's going to be an awesome event. Um, the four of us and some other awesome Masons are speaking tomorrow and so it'll be a day of fun fellowship and masonry nice we're looking forward to it. newman yeah well so what's coming up what's coming up tomorrow sean bradshaw sean bradshaw, sean bradshaw. Uh, jim, jim cole jim cole yeah 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 and, a, and some a, other dudes and a ba presentation from jason richards that mm. is premiering tomorrow so Brand nobody new. nobody has ever seen or heard the stuff i'm I'm sharing tomorrow. Um, it is something completely far and away and different from anything I've ever done before, and I'm looking forward to it. So it's about Noah. Yes, the flood. <laughs> yes. Okay. And so what I've done is I've I've decided to compare different oral traditions of catastrophic flood mythology. Oral. You should make a presentation on. 
Well, well, I did. That's that's why you know this is completely new information, and no one has ever seen this before in the last and, decade. Uh, ever. <laughs> yes. No, but no, I'm super excited because uh, I only know the title and the topic, but I don't know. I haven't seen any of the slides, so it's gonna be fun. It's gonna be a lot of fun. Well, why don't, like, why don't we go through what each of our respective topics? Let's are. do that. So Matt okay. Parker, who is yet to come up from. We're, from to organize the whole event of the Masonicon South, um, pulled in a lot of good speakers and everything, and really tried to run the exception of with the exception of these four, right? Yeah, and um, yeah, you can't be perfect ever. So, no. one thing I like is, is how he mixed it up. And we, I always enjoy speaking because most of the time you get the liberty to pick whatever you want, right? It's not just okay, we're, we're going to talk about this. I want you to give a presentation on the trial, right? Well, that, that, that's awesome because, you know, there's a million things you could talk about the trial, but yet it's also limiting. But as we all know, after 400 episodes, there's a million things you could talk about, at least 399 things you could talk about Masonic education. And so having the freedom to just explore what's out there under the umbrella of Masonic education, that's, uh, that's the beauty of it. So John also likes to hear himself Talk. Yeah, so uh, we so all the first, do. The first hour do. will be me talking about Masonic education. Yeah, but what we got to do was was uh, each of us got to pick up our own, our own topics. Some some things we've oh, and I know that for some of ours they have been around, but we keep adding to them because again we're always students. There's always more learning to do. So let's see. Uh, my topic is on the philosophical application of the circumpunct and the. Um, sacred geometry as applied to that. So that'll be a lot of, lot of fun. And yours is? Uh, so I've been working on this particular presentation for the better part of a year. And uh, I'm leaning very heavily esoteric. And my uh, presentation is entitled, Death, Your Final Initiation. The final countdown. No, no. That's awesome, Damn. yeah. I got a, I'm doing a presentation that I've done before. Uh, but as, as John alludes to, that it keeps growing. It's a living presentation, so it's kind of an exploration of different esoteric schools that exist in comparison to Freemasonry and uh, some of the interesting things that go along with that. But uh, things that have been added to the presentation are the fault of, of uh, Bull Garlington, who's a, a great brother out of Chicago, a best-selling author. You guys should buy his books, free plug. Uh, but he's, uh, after I gave this presentation, he said, you know, in a room full of people, he said, who gives a bleep? And I laughed. <laughs> because um, he's right. You know, like, who cares? Why does it matter? And that was something that I think I was lacking in the, in the presentation. So we talk a little bit about that stuff as well. So hopefully it's all buttoned up and tight. And uh, you know, I, I hope I do Chris proud. Well, we do. Alrighty. So uh, my presentation, I don't care if anybody likes it or not, because you're going to have to hear it for 45 minutes. So, yeah. So we're going to... Um, plan your breaks accordingly. <laughs> yes. Um, yes. Plan your shopping breaks accordingly. But uh, no, I'm going to talk about something that's really uh, passionate to me, and it has to do with... Uh, that you're passionate about? That Yes. That too. Love when you interrupt me. Passion. For, I mean, for many you're episodes. just talking about things that are passionate to you, and I feel like this is a kids' program. So, and right. We okay. don't. Grammar is one of the first several. Yeah. Parts. Okay. It, it yes. is the first. Okay. It is the first. Right. Like, I'll correct you too. I don't care. Son of a gun. 
So what y'all don't see is when we're doing this uh, at our homes is the faces I make when I'm not on camera. Yeah. So um, what I will and be speaking about. And the profanity in the chat. The profanity in the chat is very high. <laughs> Running in yes. the window behind our stream window. Correct. Yeah. Words that you've never knew existed. Because okay. they don't exist. They don't. They, I made them up and they're <laughs> awesome. But anyway. You I'm can't show. string together seven profanities in different orders and like call them. Hey Joe, what's your topic about? Is anybody from New York, New Jersey, Massachusetts, Connecticut? Ah, shit. Northeast. Okay. okay, we got, we got so at least one. one. We have a much more colorful vocabulary than our, our much more uh, classy southern gentlemen. So, uh, you just can't pronounce the word car. Yeah. I'm not from Boston, okay. like Brian. Right, anyway, I'm talking about um, all the things that we do in a lodge meeting that you think are boring and banal. Um, and minutes. The minutes. Uh, how goodness. there's actually a lot of esoteric things that go on if you shut up for a minute and pay attention to what's happening. So that's what we'll talk about tomorrow. Yeah. <coughs> I think so I'm who, done. Who else is on the, on the docket? I don't have the, the, I don't have the I don't So I don't, right. don't want to talk anymore. So, so we've got... Uh, and amazing presentation by uh, past Grandmaster, Brother Sean Bradshaw. Sean Bradshaw! Right there in the front row. Um, so he is, uh, he is doing a presentation that, frankly, I cannot wait to see. Okay. Why, don't, why don't you what's, say what it is? What's the title of it, Sean? Um, Come on in. Sean Bradshaw! Yeah! Woo! So my presentation is Measuring Freemasonry's Value or uh, how I learned to stop worrying and love the decline because it's what? the decline. Yeah. <laughs> what? Well, We're gonna what about ride per capita? All the way down, baby. What oh, about yeah. per capita, yeah. Brad? Yeah, I knew I'd get your rile. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Per capita. It's important. <laughs> it's, all, it's all yeah. about money, baby. Yeah. Oh. Benjamins. No, but I'm, I'm glad to bring that because I, I want to hear your take on it because I have, obviously there's. We well, talk. he's going to talk about it for an hour tomorrow. Tomorrow. Yeah. 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 At the end of the day, I get that. I get this. So we'll see how it goes. Very, very cool. All right. All right. I'll give you back your seat. Okay. All right. All right. Sean Bradshaw. Sean Bradshaw. Woo! <laughs> Probably bring you back up later. That's true. Yes. Oh, there's Matt Parker. Hey, Matt, Matt Parker. Parker. You're the next contestant on the prices. I'll give him my seat. The price is too high as far as the per capita is concerned. All right, so um, <laughs> tell us a little bit about uh, Masonicon South, y'all. Yeah. Masonicon South. Y'all. 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 Uh, ooh, where do I start? It's like everything that could go wrong has gone wrong, but now it's all kind of starting to gel and come together, so it's... All of the speakers at this point in time have all of their earlobes. That's, that's a plus. So all body parts are intact. Yes. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Uh, but basically, you know, when Masonicon popped up in Attleboro, Massachusetts, uh, and then Illinois, uh, Los Angeles, now Texas, Kansas, and I thought, well, the Southeast and the Northwest are the only two regions in the country really do not have a Masonicon. And uh, I really wanted to bring that in here because I think, um, you know, we need to show that masonry even here in the south is alive and well and it's not the old man's dinner club that a lot of people think it is right we're not the ones selling barbecue plates on the side of the road or uh, whatever the case may be pancake fundraisers Sean there's Bradshaw. just so much more to us and so i think Sean Bradshaw. this Sean is just Bradshaw. trying to bring in some of that some of that enthusiasm bring that fire back from masonry because we have a lot of young new masons that are looking for this 
Yeah. And they're going to be here this weekend. Yeah, can't wait. So you're like the brainchild behind this, right? Is this your idea? Is this? It's, it was one of my hair brain ideas, yeah. Okay, all right. And it's Out the, of many. The first ever. Out of many, yes. The first ever. Yeah, so the, the inaugural. The inaugural. inaugural. Yeah. Says the grammar guy. Yes. yes. Yeah, first ever. Uh, and hopefully many more. I hope we get to do this every year. Y'all. So, yeah. so there was a saying where, so again, my, my mother lodge, or my, my lodge I was a past master in, the greatest year, 2013. Uh, was George Mason University. Yeah, that's not your mother in law. Patriot Lodge, right, exactly. And based off of George Mason University, where innovation is tradition, right? And that, uh, that's, that was the motto of George Mason University. Bad word. And the beauty of it was. Innovation. Where innovation is there's, tradition. There's no innovation in Masonry. We don't well, like that, right? One. And. <laughs> Except the third degree. Um, <laughs> but. Anyway. You can never say it's always been done that way. That's true. You can never say that Masonic on South has always been done that way. That's true. That's true. So this is the best Masonic on South that ever has been ever. in the well, entire day. I feel so much yes. Right? Give an applause awesome. for that. Yes. Right? Yeah. Woo! I mean, look at all these people. This is awesome. If, if this is any We paid most of them. Oh, I know. I know. Okay. I know you did. Yeah. John Ruark literally just came up with that because he was listening to a Tony Robbins cassette tape yes. like an hour. I believe in you. Cassette tapes. You can accomplish anything you put you set your mind to. <laughs> Believe. Feel the dreams. You can do it. You can do it. If you build it, <laughs> if you build they it. will come. And they have. Wait, who is that? <laughs> I know, I know the, the folks tub. watching can't see the, the audience here, but if this is any indication of what tomorrow is going to be, it's going to be phenomenal. Like, Yay! Thank you. Hey, are we going to tell the audience, or are we going to tell people listening and watching that like there are only three people in the audience? <laughs> No, I'm kidding. It's a, it's a, it's a canned voice. <laughs> yeah. There are literally tens of people here. <laughs> it's, <laughs> it's just the friends laugh track. <laughs> no, nah, but, you know, and be able to get all of the TMR brothers together in one room, that was, that was incredibly special to me. Because, I mean, Thank all, well, all four of you are very special to me. Thank and you. you all know that. And I love so, you too. just a yeah. I, I really do love you, brother. I really do. So, just a, oh yeah, boo. Well, we will. Don't yeah, worry about it. Get out the tissue. We will. Um, but just crying. the fact that all four of you took time out of your schedules, away from your family, you have busy careers, to come here and do this, and then to do this special 400th episode of TMR from here. This is just icing on cake. So I just, from me, there's no way I can possibly thank you enough. No. Oh, thank you. Yeah, Absolutely. Yeah, I think. Matt Parker. Matt Parker. Yeah. For me, this was this was the event that forced me to get off my laurels and actually write something new. The new presentation <laughs> and the first one I've I've done in like two or three years. Yeah. So. Yeah, uh, this is this is gonna be fun. It's gonna be awesome, and we're very much looking forward to it. Very cool. Uh, so we've got uh, P.D. Newman as well coming right. tomorrow. Um, I cannot remember the verbose title of it's very his long. lecture, um, but it has the word Haramic legend in it somewhere. Um, Ooh. I think it's one that he may have done. Wasn't it a pre-Socratic pre something? Yes. Yeah, this is the one where he goes into a little bit of the uh, the legend of Hiram Abiff 
uh, and Steiner, Rudolf Steiner's uh, hot take. Okay. The, bra- right. the brazen pillar, or the, the brazen uh, sea serp- where he gets... Serpent. Not the serpent. Not the serpent? Not the serpent. The brazen sure sea serpent. where he gets <laughs> sucked in. You'll find out There's the gin. All right, you know what? I've got the schedule now. Hey, all right. All right. Well, I, I stalled long enough. It's like, <laughs> yes. Uh, Pre-Socratic philosophy and the Hermetic legend of Gerard de Nerval. Yeah, that's it. Wow. Boom. So, um, yeah. You can yeah, I mean, just off the top of your head. a French in there. Yeah, I think one of one of the coolest things that's going to happen tomorrow, and we've seen this at a number of Masonic cons, is we're actually opening the conference with a guided meditation and a time for contemplation. And so that's one of my favorite things about these events is that we take time at the beginning of it to center ourselves, leave the world in the space of the world, and enter into a time of, of sacred fellowship and knowledge. And so that's that it's is hot. super exciting. It's hot. It's hot. 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 H-A-W-T. So that's a, I mean, that's a full agenda right there. Cause there's... We got one more. We got old, illustrious. Well, we have... He's uh, called Jim Cole. Old, old Jim Cole. No, old. Jim Cole is a fabulous brother. He's one of my Oh, uh, you did like the favorite O-L-E. O-L-E. I was trying O-L-E. to be Southern. Old, so, old Jim, Jim Cole. Cole. See, the Southern folks know what I'm saying. Right. Yeah. Okay. Y'all now, Jim Cole. Y'all. Uh, Jim, Cole Jim Cole, y'all. Is one of my favorite past grandmasters of all time. And... Um, Besides Sean Bradshaw. Sean Bradshaw. Sean Bradshaw. Woo! So, Love you. Um, yeah, what is he talking about? So, um, whatever. It is whatever a great want. mystery. It's like the mystery of Freemasonry. And so, brother, illustrious brother Jim is going to be giving the keynote. And we are very excited to learn what it is. What it is. It'll be good. Okay. So that's tomorrow. that's tomorrow. My guess is it has something to do with masonry. And he will most likely weave in a Scottish Rite reference or two. That's true. But I've been wrong before. Great. So that's tomorrow. What are we doing tonight? tonight. What are we doing tonight? Um, well, we know what John's been doing tonight. I, I'm not going to tell you what number well, one. Yeah, what is that? Number, like number 13. This is a red oak logger. So Lo- cool. No, I didn't say what is it. Oh, I said how, what number. It's like 13. It's though. a Masonic number. It's 13, I'm right? Gonna t- I'm not going to tell you which one. <laughs> one for each tribe. So, He's so, on the lost tribe right now. He consumes no. beers according to the Fibonacci sequence. <laughs> <laughs> That's like the nerdiest joke I've ever heard you say. <laughs> yes. Get to the hat. Glad to disappoint. Okay. What's this hat about? What is this what hat, is hat about? What is this all about? Oh my goodness. Um, this is a top hat, typically worn by the master of the lodge. It smells like Matt Parker. Um, we're very excited. And in this hat, we have stuff and things. Mm-hmm. And uh, these stuff and things are what we're going to talk about tonight because we're doing a long-form show. We don't know how long we'll go on. Um, we'll go until we go. We'll go until we go, which has kind of been our mantra for TMR. And here we are, almost nine years later. So, um, that's, uh, that's yeah. Yeah. Good job, yeah. So we're doing this uh, in the style of lean coffee. Right. Right, John? So you want to explain a little sure. bit about so, that? Sure. Uh, so with so many things to talk about, 
Um, we are taking an abbreviated approach. Basically, you know, we're going to cover a lot of things in a short period of time. So it's, it's one of those you discuss until the time runs out, and then you move on, right? So that way, every, every topic gets a chance. You're not stuck going so like one beer about something that's boring. Something one beer per topic? or One year per topic. One beer. Oh. Challenge accepted. I All can right. do that. All right. No. <laughs> no. All right. What's our, what's our time window right. for topics? So let's do, let's say, let's do a 10-minute per topic. Okay. Right. Ten minutes per topic. That gives us plenty of time to share some opinion, get some dissenting opinions in, and all that. Oh, we'll be dissenting. We'll Don't be you dissenting. worry about it. Dissent. Um, <laughs> I disagree. Passion. Move on. I disagree. Dissent. Reginald. I disagree. I disagree. Let's go. Drive by. Mix him up. Mix him up. Wait, drive by arguments. Yes. Right. Man, we're gonna get. We're gonna get flagged for. There's some copy. So tell you what, here's what we're, gonna do. we're gonna do. one topic, and then maybe we'll get some swag out. How's that sound? Swag. You want swag? Okay. You don't want it. That's fine too. Okay. Yeah, that's true. Yeah. All right. Let's do topic these are, number one. These are all hot topics for the topic moment. number one. Masonic cons, as opposed to Masonic pros. Masonic cons. We have cons. We hate them. Players. We yeah. hate all of them. Yeah. They're bane the to Freemasonry. Cons. They're very negative. Green beans, minutes. Um, Past masters, these oh. are all the cons of masonry, right? No. We did kind of cover Masonic cons in the beginning. In the beginning, so we covered this Masonic. Yeah, con. pick a new one. Yeah, it's way all spicier. Right. All right. Grand Lodge leadership structure. Ooh. So this is so this is something Ooh, that Sean Bradshaw perked up. Ooh. <laughs> so I will. <laughs> So, Sean will bring you in for this. Um, let me set the stage for just a minute. Uh, this is something that Joe and I were talking about in the car, where um, we were thinking that masonry, at, from a leadership structure perspective, is rather inefficient in the sense that it's laid out um, like a benevolent dictatorship. The Grand Master wields the ultimate power and authority over everything. But he's only, he's generally speaking, especially in Virginia and other places, he's constrained to a one-year term. And so the concern that we've seen is that it's very difficult to push forward a lasting, sustainable strategy to have an impact on the craft if you're swapping hats and swapping um, agendas and outlooks and worldviews every 12 months. I mean, so if you look at like a business, which you know, masonry is not a business, but it can adapt some things from a business, right? CEOs don't change every year, right? Unless they really suck. But for the most part, CEOs of a business are there to be a leader and guide the future of said business down some sort of strategy to make sure that they're and they're getting growth or getting your, your best new successful ideas. Like yeah. fortune. You know, you name the number of businesses. On the on the regular change CEOs every four or five years, regardless of how well right. the company's been doing. Exactly. Uh, but either way, it's not every year. Yeah. Right. It's a mistake. Right. Clint, why are you why are you messing with our backdrop, Clint's man? Like, Clint, why it's changing things. Turning the time. Okay. Well, thank you. Okay. Thanks. And thanks, that's Clint. acceptable. Thank you, Clint. We love you. So, so yeah. Let me let me chime in on this one. So I have a uh, so Jason and I did discuss this in the car. And thank you for validating my assertion. Hey, I'm here for you. Yeah. So I'm here for you. I'm here for Joe. My my I'm here to interrupt you. My issues 
with the structure as it currently is, is number one, it's jurisdictional. You have some Grand Lodges where the Grand Master's there for three years. You got a three-year plan, you got people there for three years, people are doing things and getting stuff done. You have, you know, like some of our jurisdictions, you're here for a year, you're in, you're out, there's no long-term plan. But then you have jurisdictions, and maybe I'm sitting in one, where they have long-term plans and strategic visions and things like that. So everybody that's in leadership, kind of like a well-run company, does those things and they all attach themselves to a vision and that's what they run with. Right. But that's the exception and not the rule, right? And my big beef with it in general, and this is both at the Grand Lodge level and at the local lodge level, is for most people, you sit in a chair long enough and you will make your way to the top. There's nothing, there's nothing in a Masonic Lodge meeting or in any of the education that you receive and all the weird stuff that I say from time to time that makes you a leader, right? There's nothing in Masonry that teaches us how to be leaders of other people. Right? Slot training. How to, slot training. Subordinate Lodge officer training. Right, but so, you know, and we're not going to pick on individual jurisdictions and stuff, but in general, there's nothing in Masonry, Whoops. you know, you learn how to be a better dude, right, or a better person, but you don't know how to be a better leader of, of others, right? right, right. And how do you run the business of your lodge? Correct, right, right? and, yeah. uh, you know, most people rely on a secretary that's been there for 25 years, and, you know, you never know when they're, if they're going to be alive next year, but they have all the secrets and the wisdom of, of how to run a lodge in their heads, right. right? So, again, for me, there's no, there's nothing that teaches you, hey, I am here to administer an organization for a finite amount of time, what do I need to do to become that, that person? You don't learn that. I, I would argue that you don't. You shouldn't have to, have to learn that. Like, masonry is not here to teach you how to be toastmasters or how to lead anything. For, for I think for a lot of folks, like the wrong people get into leadership positions because we're a brotherhood society. You know, whatever you want to say, and people just assume that you just paid your dues so you move up the ladder. When I think the the consensus, I think with with most successful lodges, is that. We have masons who should get the job, get the job, not not based on the chair. Do you um, agree? Disagree? Yay? Agree? Yes, yay. Yay. Yes, okay. yay. One day. I got uh, lots of yays. All opposed. <laughs> My, okay, like for instance, done. I'll give you great echo chamber. <laughs> I'll give you a, an example of of Space Novum. So, in Illinois, we don't have, uh, and this is because our lodge is largely an experiment. Uh, we don't have. Uh, the our grandmaster has a, a two-year term but is elected each year so like if he's really messing up they can vote him out uh, voting from the floor is is allowed and all of these things uh, and for the most part most of our lodges are very much centered on this idea of just going through the chairs what we decided to do as an education-based lodge was to allow the anybody who has served a warden chair in illinois can become a master you don't have to have a special ritual card or anything uh, so they just we said hey you present at the, uh, the the meeting before our annual you present your plan for a year of masonic education and it's not campaigning you're just saying what your plan would be mm -hmm. And if the brothers like it, then they'll vote for you. So it's kind of, it's kind of that way, but really it's set up to be choosing the leader, not choosing just some dude. 
What do you think, Sean? Oh. We'd, like to, we'd like to give yeah. you yeah. 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 So we'd like to give you the balance of the time, yeah. which is to yield much. my time to the Tag gentleman from the Grand East. I think everybody needs to buy its business time. Uh, the, <laughs> uh, the plug for that book. Um, so here's the issue. Um, historically, if you go back in the uh, meeting minutes, I think for every lodge that's more than probably 70, 80 years old, uh, the masters of those lodges served multiple, multiple years. The, the, the leaders of the community served as leadership in the lodges and we got away from that as, as our <clears throat> membership exploded and there was a necessity to some, mentally at least, psychologically, to push people through. Um, at the Grand Master level, I can only speak to North Carolina. North Carolina used to operate the same way in its very early years. Then we went to a two-year term and now we're a one-year term. Mm. Structurally, there are other issues at the Grand Jurisdiction level. Uh, some jurisdictions you have guys that run for office. There's some pros and cons to that. Right. Yeah. The, the pro is you know the guy wants it. The, the con is, is sometimes it's a popularity contest and yep. you don't get the right guy. And you've got people who are at uh, crossways with each other because they don't necessarily see it eye to eye. In jurisdictions like in North Carolina where we select our incoming uh, junior grand steward, it, there's the potential for it to be a, a, a you know, Good old boys network where you, you uh, select your friend and not necessarily the best leader. I think in North yeah. Carolina we do a good job trying to find people with the right leadership skills, but not every jurisdiction is like that. Yeah. Uh, so it, it's a difficult problem to solve, but I think if you read the book you'll get some better ideas. Right How's that? Right. I hear, hey, I hear the guy who edited that book, oh, yeah. like... Amazing. Did he do a good job? Yeah, he did, I think he did. such a good job. It, it might not even be the same book it was. <laughs> I venture to say it's not. But. Well, I just to put a, a bow on this too, like strategy, right? It doesn't. It shouldn't matter who is in charge, especially if they only have one-year terms uh, in general, because if you have a good strategy, a long-term strategic plan that actually outlines like where we want to be as a fraternity, what, how do we want to grow or not grow, what are we going to focus on, those things should not be at the will of any one person, right? Um, it should be based on the, the collective unity of, you know, what, what, the, what the mission is, what the, the vision is for that jurisdiction, right? Um, and every jurisdiction is going to be different, but uh, I'm, a, I'm a huge fan of if you do strategy right, you're going to make specific choices of what you want to invest in um, so that you can you can grow and that's it was it whether was it's a, whether it be people whether it be charity whether it be um, education whatever that thing is it's going to vary jurisdiction jurisdiction mm -hmm. but at least there should be some consistency over across multiple years so that way you know there's there's harmony throughout grand lodge of texas or texas uh, Grand Lodge of Kansas, I should say, they they came up with a strategic plan that they pulled from the constituency uh, and they put it into action and every Grand Master for the most part, as I understand it, follows that that plan. Alright, we're at time. So.
All right. And, and so in lean coffee style, what you would normally do is you would kind of do like, do you want to keep going or do you just want to move on? No, to the next we got too much. We have a hat full of topics. We got too so much. So we're gonna cut off hard because I'm Don't sure look. I'm not looking. Sean I'm not looking. Can talk all you day looking? about all right. Grand Line. Okay. Yeah, yeah, every single one. Well, here we go. Oh. One day classes. One day classes. Sean Bradshaw. Come on. One day One day class. All right. I'll start. I've so. seen the the ghost of Brother Stoops. I'm walking through. <laughs> so, for folks who don't know what it is, uh, a one day class is, or uh, you may have heard them called Blue Lightnings, or you may have heard them called uh, One Day Conferrals, Grandmasters classes. What that is is a candidate going through all three degrees in a single day most of the time done in a in a uh, stage setting like this where you have one person who's the actual candidate and everybody sits on the sidelines and basically gets the degrees by virtue of being there so that's one day classes some I'm talking with my hands a lot, I know. Uh, it's a Latin You're thing. gesticulating one. I am gesticulating. Uh, some jurisdictions have them on the books every year. Some jurisdictions do them every few years. Some jurisdictions do them at the whim of the Grand Master. So it's really, it's, it's done in so many different ways. But essentially what a one-day class is, you walk in in the morning as an EA, you walk out the door as a Master Mason that night, and... Um, you walk in in the morning as a profane. As a profane, and yeah. you walk out as a Master Mason, you get a dues card, and you are a full-blown Mason. Discuss. Mm. <laughs> we only have six minutes. I so, have, I go have ahead, a, I, I have an unpopular... I used to hold this really, you know, strict opinion that they were just like a tragedy, and this was basically because I felt like I had to do some work. They should have to do some work. Uh, but then I stepped away from that. And then my friend uh, and brother and fellow committee member, Chad Lasik, uh, he said one time, ah, yes, he's very articulate. So imagine, ah, yes, I too was a victim of the one day class. And I was like, <laughs> Oh, tell me about it. You know, and I got his feelings on it. And I think he's, he goes to Masonic Restoration Foundation, you know, the, 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 all these conferences. And he's really, you know, he's one of the, the, the 1% Freemasons. And uh, I think my opinion on one-day classes is that I, I don't really care. And I'll tell you, it's because when I think about the initiatory process, historically... It, even in ancient times was done to groups of people so i don't really like i i don't i don't know if that matters to me so much as so let, let me ask you this I, I i've been thinking about this recently i'm going to spin the question a little bit so show of hands in, in this room who has some sort of professional certification to like do their job or just has a couple of these these things that you've studied for passed a test and like the pmp like a PMP, like a certificate, of any kind, right? Yes. Even a welding certificate, anything like that, right? Okay, yeah, so sure. over half have some sort of proficiency certification. Now, most of those um, really doesn't matter how you get it. Some of them you get them in person. Some of them you can do it online. Some of them, right? But most importantly, rarely few of those are for life, right? That it's not you just take it one time and that test is good forever. 
And so I've, I've been chewing on this idea of like, okay, it's not so much the one day class, whether it's group or, or, or individual initiation, it's what comes after that, right? And so it's how do you renew your certification in the fraternity, right? How do you revalidate that you understand the philosophy, you know the grips and signs and tokens, you, um, you really are still qualified to be a mason. We really don't check on that. As long as you pay that check, which very low dues fees, for the next you know, 50, 60, 80 years, whatever that is, you're still a, a mason in good standing on the books. And we never come back to them and say, do you live that way? Do you, under, do you really understand the philosophy? Do you understand what you, you obligated yourself to? Can you, can you repeat that? Even in your own words, could you repeat what you obligated yourself to? Because that's really what makes you a mason, not a dues card. Jason? What about, along that same lines, what about continuing education? PDUs? Yeah. Right. So, so yes, PMP holder. Um, PMP is a certification for yes. project management. Project, project management certification. Mm -hmm. um, every three years, I have to log a certain number of hours what is wrong with you? We're just listening. Okay. We're Every three years, I have to I have to log a certain amount of educational hours across um, domains like technical and strategic and um, and others um, to show that I'm not getting stale right. in my subject matter expertise of the domain. Right. And so, if we're looking at you know the idea of you know, a recertification process in Freemasonry, like PDUs that you could earn as a Masonic practitioner. So what, what would they look like? They would look like, um, show me that you have read five books in the past five years, right? A book a year, that's not too hard, right? Or show that you have applied some Masonic principle in your life in the past year. Right? So I mean, that, you've be... served as a, you know, as an <clears throat> education officer in your lodge. Ooh. So, so here comes Joe. Yes, with a dissenting so, opinion. Well, and see the steam. <laughs> no, you, you gave me yes so, and so it, it's two, a, two one day classes are a double edged sword. You have a huge number of older Masons. I don't care which jurisdiction you're a part of that see a one day Mason, whether he's young, busy, yeah. active brother who is super, you know, um, well loved, and he's very active, and he does all the things that he's supposed to. That will always have disdain for this person because, to Robert's point, yeah. they didn't do things the way I did it, right? right. So there's this, there's this, <clears throat> which false. is flat out bad, which we all agree is bad. It's right. absolutely yeah. bad, right? You're, a, a mason is a mason, and I will right. absolutely subscribe to that. But to Robert's point, and a little bit to your point, go, going back to the actual question, I don't care if you had your student loans forgiven. Well, and and I can appreciate that because I haven't. So <laughs> I have not. Yeah, same. Um, yes, I'm so scared. Next year, baby. Putting three kids through college. <laughs> so, on that note, but no, in, in all seriousness, you, you brought up a, a really excellent point about ancient initiations were oftentimes done in groups. Yeah. And in a lot of places, they were. Um, in some places, they were not. It was a very personal and intimate experience. So, I think going back to what you said, if the goal of our craft is to make members, fine, keep doing it. That's keep, great. Keep going. And mm -hmm. you're going to have amazing one-day masons and you're gonna have really awful masons that have been around for 60 years and still don't remember what they obligated themselves right. to 60 years ago so it's it's a crapshoot 
But for me, if you are, if you're making members, great, that's cool. If you think that masonry is something else, then we kind of have to diverge from that, right? And, and stop worrying about the, the membership numbers. Because that's all one-day classes do is address the membership problem, right? We don't so really- that's, And that's my concern with one-day classes is the uh, fact, oh, we're out of time. No, it's a great idea. Yes, absolutely. It is the, the concern of, are we using one-day classes to solve the right problem? problem. Yep. Yeah. And yep. if we're right just using it, to solve a problem of Masonic membership, then I would say, let's reassess the value proposition of the one day class and find- oh, One clap. A, yes, then find a, a way that one day classes provide real value for solving the right problem. Yep, I like that. So is it a solution looking for a problem? Right, is a hammer looking for a nail? Before you pick the next one, yeah, I see a bag of things in front of you. Oh yeah. So let's. What do you want to do with this? Let's do. Let's do some things. Okay. Stuff and things. So we have Mo the intern hanging out. In Mo the, the intern. Mo the intern. Hey, Come on up. Come say hi. Sorry, Hammy. Not a replacement for Mike the intern. But uh, an extra pair of hands for today. This is hey, Mo. Say hey, Mo. Say hi, Mo. Bye, Mo. Mo, can you help us out? That, that's, that was your key. Yeah, no, you need to stay up You're fired. You're fired. Yeah. <laughs> Step into my office. Six minute abs, yes. what? Phoebe, the intern. Five minute abs. <laughs> no, I'm kidding. You just give one of those to everybody. Just give one to everybody. Yeah. <laughs> Yay! Anybody who so, wants freebies for coming out. So thank you guys for being awesome. Woo! <laughs> right, come on. Get a good one. All right, I got this one. Good one. This one right here. That's do the it. one. Do it. We'll open it up. The password is. Mentally prepare myself. Ew. Do you? <laughs> is that a lame one? Do you? You can get one mulligan each. All right. No, don't throw don't it back. Don't put it back. back. We you open it back for? It right. I, I picked it right back out. It's the same one. So put it back. Let me see. Let's Let's open a new one. That's a John one. That's a John. Managing your time. Okay, so, no. I like it, it's a good idea. Moving on. Member retention. Member retention. Good segue. Which is a good segue from one day classes. Yep, right, I agree. Sure. Right, because one day classes solves the, um, getting it, people they are, the They are used in several jurisdictions right. as a solution to the problem of membership decline. decline. Right. Mm -hmm. Temporarily, of course. Temporarily. Temporarily. Because it gets, imagine masonry is like a cup full of water, right? So you can pour water in the top, that's new members coming in, but there's a hole at the bottom where members are leaving through death, non-payment of dues, expulsions, whatever, right? Ish. So as long as you have more water coming in the cup than you have pouring out the bottom, Right, the, you will grow the volume of the cup. Illinois one day classes does more coming in, but how do you work on those who are leaving voluntarily through a retention problem? Illinois does this thing. They say, you know, we'll do a one day class every few years at Grandmaster Festival, and they do it to clear the books, as they say. Right? Whoa, whoa, whoa. What does that mean? That means we've got, let's just say, upwards of sixteen thousand people across our state. 
16,000 entered apprentices and fellow crafts. You know, like that's a lot. We got 44,000 like, masons. Like stuck in the process. Stuck in the process. Okay, they have not progressed to become a master mason. For whatever reason. Maybe For the lodge sucks. Maybe reason. they okay. suck. I don't know. And so the one in class is supposed to kind of push them that's through. That's right. It's, okay. an, it's an offer like, hey, we'll do this thing for you real quick. And then they hope that that person gets involved and it retains them as a member. But I think what Stoops is, uh, Grandmaster Stoops, he, he showed in his thing that, in his analysis, that that stuff, that doesn't retain a member for very long at all, right? right? Two or three years you're getting per capita. So, you know, if you're responsible, maybe you're getting $20 on per capita or something. So per capita. 60, 60 bucks. You put on this massive thing for, you know, all these people, they telecast it to all these lodges, they do all this stuff. It costs gobs of money for $60 per guy, you know, for, you know, it just feels like uh, a waste in my, in my opinion. And lodges constantly do this thing. The Grand Lodges always want to push like, oh, uh, leadership and all of this stuff is the way to retain the member. But there's really only one retention point. Which is? It's education. That's the only, yeah. Consistent is, is survey it, data point that I've seen. Yeah, it's the only. Th it's the reason we exist. It's why you would continue to come back to a lodge. One might argue we exist to make masons. No, mm. lodges exist to make masons. lodges yeah. exist to make mm. making masons. Mm. So my thoughts. What is a mason? What is a mason? Yes, it's a good question. Do we make good men better or do we make good men bitter? As one awesome co-mason once told me in the car. <laughs> So my thoughts, I think that, and, and you for years did, John, you did some amazing work data-wise talking about how, you know, member retention for non-one-day Masons, and we're still, we still have that underpinning of one-day-ness right. that we're talking about, versus uh, Masons who went the traditional route, and we did have that, that weird spot of data where, you know, one day Mason basically didn't pay any dues for that year. And then the following year, you know, once they actually right. started paying dues is when they would fall off. Yeah, and, and, and not Morris pay. says that it's after three years that that's when you see the, the drop off because the first year you paid your dues, the second year you get your dues notice, the third year you get taken off the rolls. So actually you should be tracking the third year after someone's raised to see if they're gonna continue to be a Mason. Right, and that statistic pretty much holds true for both both types of people who, both different ways to come into the fraternity, right? Mm -hmm. So it's, it, there's, no, there's no continuity break there. It's, right. you know, whether you spent a year to make a Mason or they got it all in one day, they leave around the same time. <coughs> but exactly right, it's, it's, what are we giving a value to this new Mason, whether he does a one day class or whether he takes time. a year to learn right. his catechisms or his proficiencies or whatever your jurisdiction does, what are we giving them a value? You right. know? Before they I asked the question, you know, I've seen, I've been, I'm a member of some jurisdictions that actually do things with their, their candidates when they're still progressing through the degrees. You have lodges that open on the entered apprentice degree. <clears throat> um, yes, for what? business. And they actually bring in That's these young men. The yes, conventions of 1843. I don't care about the Baltimore <laughs> convention. Okay. It was an innovation. It was an innovation. <laughs> but you know, you've got your younger members who aren't full-blown Masons that have dues card and can complain about things and sit in the grumpy section in the north, they can't do that yet, but they can participate. Mm -hmm. um, so again, what kinds of things are we doing to attract that new Mason other than the minute he's raised, giving him a Shriners application and telling him to take a chair? Because those are the two things that happen.
What did what did you say earlier, John, when you were talking about the one day class? You you kind of got on this thread about recertification. Oh, recertification. Yeah. So like. In Pennsylvania, I remember a, a good brother of mine, uh, uh, of all of ours, Brian Evichin, he handed me a card, and it was a, 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 a re-obligation card. He said, you know, once a year they do this thing where they invite all these guys who haven't been in the lodge forever, and they go back to the altar, and they re-obligate themselves to masonry. Mm-hmm. And I was like, that's really interesting, because at least it keeps it fresh, it keeps it in terms of like a ritual. It I, reminds you why you're here in the first place. Yeah. Love it. Yeah, I mean that's that's interesting. But so whether it's a full on re re up certification that has some sort of standard, even if it's a low standard, just to kind of like refresh, or just to at least have some sort of set apart ceremony that says, "Hey, let's all remember why we're here," and it's not just to to wear the badge of a mason or or to put a square compass on the back of our car. It's it's something more than that. Like I, I, I'll be all for that. Oh, you actually made me think of something that's it's I think it's absolutely awesome uh, it was a weird way it happened but uh, two months ago at my lodge um, for those that, that know me I'm I talk a lot and my emails are pretty prolific as well they're very long and wordy and they probably have grammar problems as well so um, I'm gonna teach you bullets but I don't want bullets okay so <laughs> um, they are but uh, I sent out a notice that we're having a degree to everybody really long hey come on down help support the brother this that and the other thing and I got a reply back from someone who I had no idea who it was but he was on my member distro and it was his brother who had not been to Lodge since 1982 wow, wow. he was raised in the 70s hadn't been to you know went to Lodge for a couple of years still paid his dues but just never came he's like hey I keep getting your emails week after week after week after week after week mm-hmm. um, take me off this distro no he said the exact opposite <laughs> he said the exact opposite he said I really want to come to lodge and I replied come on down We're more yeah. than you know I checked him out yeah he's absolutely a member been paying dues nobody in the lodge knows him because he hasn't been there since the early 80s and he said I'm embarrassed and I'm like, why are you embarrassed? He's like, because I don't remember the signs, I don't remember this, and I don't remember that. I said, that's the last thing you should be worried about. Right. Yeah. Get your butt down here, we'd love to have you. And he came, and it was probably one of the happiest things nice. uh, you know, of my time this year, was he was so happy to just feel at home, and he's been coming back ever since. Um, and I'm like, what did we not give this brother for 40 years that kept yeah. him away? Wow. And that breaks my heart, you know? Well, to build on that, you can't. You can't. <laughs> to be continued. I, I will. I will add because this is really important. Um, sharing membership statistics with uh, S. Brent Morris. He looks at all of the Southern Masonic jurisdiction numbers, and they ran an experiment. They said for one valley, what we're going to do is we're going to reach out to them. It says doesn't matter how long you have not paid your dues. If you can pay one year's worth of dues, even if you've been gone for forty years, if you can pay one year's worth of dues, we'll welcome you back with open arms. They sent out something like, you know, a couple hundred snail mail letters to these brothers. And the return rate of brothers back to their Scottish Rite Valleys was like 30%. I mean, it's amazing. Not 1%, not 5%. Like one in three who got that, that piece of mail that says, we miss you. We know it's been a while. Come on back. We're walking with open arms. Like... That's worth certainly worth trying again in a different fashion. So, um, before we pick some, the next one, I want to call Jose Benzer up. 
Ooh. Yes. Hey, Jose. 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 That was so bad. So what I want to do is, um, long-time listener, first-time joiner, first-time caller. Yes. Um, if you've ever watched DMR on the YouTube chat, Jose is there pretty much every every week and joining us and. We 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 met him in Meat Space and in the in the real world and, and he's up in the, the Northern Virginia DC area. And um, I wanted to personally thank In the him Metaverse. In the Metaverse. The Metaverse yeah. with legs. Uh, wanna thank thank Jose for all his support of TMR over the years and uh, for all the little super chats. So he did a super chat live tonight on YouTube and so I wanna say thank you thank you very much, brother. Yeah man, thank you, brother. No, thank so. you guys. Thank you guys. And I I wanna say also, thank you because uh, you're a voice of Freemasonry all over the internet. People know you to be a Mason, and uh, I personally really enjoy uh, your dedication to not only uh, Freemasonry but uh, the ideals that Freemasonry upholds in a lot of the things that you post online. So that's really good. I'm, I'm happy to uh, count you among. Uh, some of the best brothers I know. So yeah. Absolutely. Well, I, re I really appreciate it, but really the support's coming from the other side. I mean, I, I discovered TMR before I was initiated, but once I'd already, you know, been interested in the craft, before I petitioned, blew through the first, like, hundred or two episodes <laughs> in shocking amounts, in a shockingly small amount of time, and I've, I've come to this, this pod for light and the others that I found through it, um, especially once came you. Uh, never heard of it. Very, no, never heard Got a pin. Got a pin. Oh. Uh, no, so you guys are great. Who gave that to you? That entrance fired. So, no, thank you very much. Mo, Everyone you're fired. It. Love being right. here. Love, Love you, man. Love you, brother. Thanks, Jose. Jose! It's for center, Oh, I get to pick. And we're rotating who picks. Oh, yeah. yeah. Just don't pick like data or something. That's oh, you know he's going to data in masonry. big data oh, in masonry. What, oh, what is it? Whispering good counsel. Oh, oh speaking of social media, oh. <laughs> it's not a social media card. Shoot, it can be though. It certainly can be. So, whispering good counsel. Let's take that. Let's rip that social media bandaid off. Ouch! Since the advent of social media, brothers have lost their minds <laughs> and have decided, and you know what, I don't care who you are. They you are now are. saying what yeah. normally they would just think internally. Things that they exactly would keep in well, the back well, of their minds. Well, let's ask everyone else, do we think that's true? Do you agree? Yeah. All right, well, okay. Not, okay. So, I love this echo chamber. <laughs> yes, great echo chamber. No, but uh, since the advent of social media, Masons have, number one, forgotten what it is to whisper good counsel and instead they blast brethren online for really paltry things sometimes, you know what I mean? Yeah. Um, the other thing uh, when it comes to whispering good counsel is they forget about doing that to themselves and the type of presence that they project in the public on social media. In some places I couldn't even call it Masonic, you know what I mean? Um, and that whispering good counsel never goes well when you, you talk to or try to counsel people that have a different persona than they do in their lodge room. Mm -hmm. You know what I mean? So yeah, I think, I think the, the at, I love social media. I'm on all the things. I'm on the talk. I'm on whatever one my kid tells me to sign up for. Um, so I'm on the things. But I think that Masons forget that at some point in time you are going to see these people in person. And all those awful things that you said about them on social media will come back and bite you in the ass. So, so if... 
Harmony is, is the strength and support of all institutions, more especially masonry. And yet, you, you, like, you don't want to rock the boat, right? You want people to have their own opinions. There, there comes this balance of, when am I trying to keep harmony by keeping my mouth shut versus should I say something to a brother who's probably you know, going too far in my own opinion? Or I could be wrong. I could, yeah. I could think that what, what you're saying is way off, but I'm the minority and I'm, you know, and so I, I think there's a, there's a balance there that we haven't really worked out as a fraternity that, that really says when, it, when is it appropriate? And you know, we, we inculcate that you're charged to do that. Like every, every new mason can say, you can correct your brother. And when I heard that, I was like, I'm not correcting a past master who's been around since 1973. I'm never gonna do that because they're the icon of the lodge. They're, like their picture's hanging up on the wall because they, they obviously know something I don't. But, but that doesn't, that doesn't uh, empower the new Mason or every other Mason to take initiative, to whisper good counsel. And so in the most friendly way, right? It's, it's holding people back because <laughs> if I say something, I could lose not only a brother, but a friend, an associate, right? A, a companion, right? Suddenly my sacred space of Masonry becomes dangerous. I could burn bridges in masonry. Yeah. Mm -hmm. and, and so it's hard, especially, I mean, social media or not, just to be able to say, hey, you know, you probably shouldn't say this or that, or you probably should carry yourself a different way, or you probably shouldn't talk about politics a lot. Whatever that, that thing is that's bugging you, what I find interesting is, is where, where's the line or where's the initiative to help correct a brother and aid him in a reformation. So let, let me just chime back in for a second because I've been on the receiving end of lots of good counsel. You? Yes. Um, I don't because, yes. Screamed in your general direction. So right. So I've gotten both, and and you know this year this was my first time as as master of a lodge, and I've had and your last time too. And yeah. for a while it'll definitely be my last time. Yeah, I'm I'm tired, but uh, but it was a blast. But um, in all seriousness, you can tell by who is giving you that counsel, the type of mason that they are. I've had brothers pull me aside in a quiet room and say, hey, you probably shouldn't say that, or you're probably, you know, you should think about what this person is saying or what that person is thinking, you know, before you say something. And then on the other end, I've had people across the dining hall yell at me. It's like, hey, you're a bleeping idiot. Um, you know, so depending on what I did or what I said and how it impacted another person, there are people that I absolutely respect that will pull me aside quietly and say, hey, you should maybe rethink this or go think that. Or go say something to the guy. Maybe you, you upset him or something. And then there's people that will correct me in front of others just to have their words heard and things like that. So I think there are people who know how to do it, but you also got to be able to receive it as well. There are people that cannot receive any oh, criticism. So that could be a whole Absolutely. topic in itself. Absolutely. And it's a hard thing when to... When are you ready to receive Absolutely. good counsel? Are you, are right you emotionally mature enough to at least listen. You don't have to accept all the counsel right. that you get, but at least open yourself up to, to, to be receptive of good counsel. Isn't that a prerequisite once you take your obligation at the EA degree? Is it? So that brings, that brings up something that I was thinking about. It's like when it's appropriate to even say anything because if some dude decides he's gonna post something about some crazy, you know, political ideology or something that is politics, but yet perhaps what he's posting about 
violates the tenets or even the the charges you took as a mason mm-hmm. and at that point i think you you have to call them and say hey uh you can believe whatever you want to believe but i just feel like maybe you should take that post down or make it private or make it friends only or you know what i mean do something mm-hmm. uh, I think we just we do we do owe it, and it's a lost art of 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 calling somebody to say, "Hey, you know, you should think about it." So, so you know that that one person that's bugging you, that's a brother that you really should be saying something to. There's your permission. Like, go ahead, reach out, whisper good counsel, see what happens. Right in the where's, most friendly manner. Yeah. Just aid the, their reformation. Aid their reformation. Where, where's Matt so I can yell at him publicly? <laughs> I think he left. He did. He, he said he was going to go get tacos. He doesn't want that good counsel. Yes. All right, all right. We, we, have, to be, we have to be there for good counsel. Who's all turn? Right. Get it. Come on. Next topic. Oh, see, this is interesting. The next topic, that which we will talk about for six minutes. We're testing a theory on TMR. Next topic is... Watching paint dry. Ooh, okay. We have always said that we wondered if we could ever actually have a show on just the most banal <laughs> topic imaginable and it still be something we ourselves would so want to watch dirty, again. Dirty little secret. Sometimes we're not as prepared as we'd like to be. Mm-hmm. All right. After 400 episodes, there's a few of them that we just get in, we squeeze in in the nick of time. We'll, we'll be like Jason. You know about Russian Freemasonry. Go! I was like, ah, sure. Yeah. Joe, you know about ancient Greece? That's how I got a permanent spot on the show. Yeah. I just keep pointing yeah. at Joe for things. Yeah. yeah. That's where the first French fries were made. Yeah. Um, yeah. All right. So, Let's do it. interestingly enough, when it comes to, when it comes to paint, um, not many people know this about me, but as a kid, I got a lot of exposure to interior painting lead paint i was uh, gonna go with no. lead paint too you ate paint yeah. chips um no. why um <laughs> so i i grew up with my my mom and dad uh teaching me the right way to paint rooms and so i i have painted every single room in pretty much every house that my wife and i have have ever owned and so um when it comes to to walls specifically i do like a nice satin or or even semi-gloss so can i tell you and this is i think the army ruined this for me so every place that the army you can't paint your walls flat so there's something about the army it's everywhere you go everything is this weird cream beige color it's no it's beige right the interiors we're talking about builder beige yes yeah Builder. builder beige thank you builder beige um the first apartment we lived my wife and i lived in builder beige um, when we bought our last house, the, um, the uh, website had all these beautiful pictures, all these lovely painted rooms. We get there, everything's been builder beige. And I'm like, what the hell is wrong with you people? Like, what's wrong with color? Color's okay. Like, that was this house so, that we moved so into. So I have a, yeah, why do they do that? Why do they remove all the loveliness and color just cover it with beige? But, but it does though. And so I now have this really gross feeling when I walk around and I see a building that like you know some lodge buildings that is in builder beige you know like you could have thrown something up on the wall um but as a result I despise painting I hate painting houses really yeah it's like the most simple thing I don't like it though 
Yeah. You, can't, spray you can spray barely it screw it up and no you can spray, spray it off and try again. You, yeah. can't, you can very much screw it up. Well, yeah, you they, can. I can. When, I, when they painted my house, they said, we had a couple vacations. I didn't know what they meant. And there's just some light spots. My, my first apartment manager, Chad, told me that we were allowed to have an accent wall. So when I got home from work, my wife had been home all day, and she painted like these awesome 1970s bowling stripes. <laughs> it is the coolest thing ever. That's neat. So going back to Builder Beige for a moment, oh, the it. reason I have heard that Builder Beige is so popular is it's an attempt to appeal to the largest market possible. Right. With Freemasonry, do we worry that we become our, our, one our day, Builder Beige organization? Our one-day conferrals, Builder Beige Masonry. Well, even, even, you know, even how we express ourselves and how we talk about an elevator pitch of Freemasonry, do we try to hold back are in order to appeal to the largest a peculiar of system of morality. of morality veiled in allegory illustrated by symbols is beige? No, but if someone's like, hey, you know, Why I, I, the I watch the, the conspiracy theories, like, do you guys really, you know, worship Satan? Like, yeah. we kind of talk around it instead of saying he went in NPD like 10 years so ago. I'll, I'll, I'll tell you what <laughs> one of the biggest, like, beigeifying of masonry is, which Ooh. is... We don't have any secrets. Mm. Oh, right? Yeah. Yep. The world is dead secret, wrong. The, the biggest secrets of Freemasonry is we have no secrets, right? That is the beigeifying of Masonry. You should bring that right guy there. up on charges. They can bring him up on charges, yes. Right. So, um, I, I will say, I've, I've said this on the show a bunch, that the true secret of Freemasonry to me is the initiatic experience. And I will say that not all Masons today have that secret. And that is regardless of one day class yes. or someone right. who, who about went members through. Members versus Freemasons? Yes. Mm -hmm. And so if you have someone who does not fully inculcate and understand the deep, rich values of the fraternity, then I would say Freemasonry to them has no secrets because they have not been entrusted with them. I like Builder Beige. Builder Beige. Builder Beige. So, are we done? So, latex paint dries in about <laughs> one hour. Yeah. And you can safely reapply in four hours. Yeah. Just like degrees in a one day class. <laughs> you can reapply new degrees every four hours. Every, every four hours you can get every appended body, body that you, <laughs> yes, body you, you hand out a petition. True story. Before. So. Um, I, I have seen the flyer, I wish I took a picture of it, where in the Grand Lodge of Pennsylvania, this, um, I'm only calling it out because that's where I was and that's what I saw, was in one day... Charges incoming. In one day, yes. It was nice knowing you guys. They had not only where you could get three degrees, you, had, you got three degrees by lunchtime. After lunch, you could join the Scottish Rite in the Northern Masonic jurisdiction. And by dinner time, you could also be a Shriner. That's what we did at the Valley of Chicago a few years ago. Yes. So you got all of those. All of those from 8 in the morning till 5 p.m. Guess what the retention rate was. Yeah. Not great. Yes. <laughs> Not great. So, um, right. in PD, if you think three degrees, blue lightning is, is rough, like, can you imagine right. getting all, all that light, even if in the well-most-intended manner, 
feel this one. I mean, when you when you go home that night, like, <laughs> what do you remember? I, I, oh, I can't geez. imagine, even if you do it the best way possible, how much your brain can hold and remember at the end of the day. So, I don't know, but all right. I haven't seen it since, so. Speaking of you nice knowing you. You got to do it. Speaking of nice knowing you. All right, so I picked the new one. The next topic we're going to talk about is the Shriners. What? All right. <laughs> the Shriners, we, we love you all. We've enjoyed our uh, our respective stints as Freemasons. Uh, you know what? We I expect the charges to be filed and, and if, you're, if you're looking for our Shriners episode, we did a special one, episode 200. 200. The lost episode. Episode 200. Because yep. we, we, we try to do a milestone one every every 100 episodes. Yep. That's why we're doing 400 here today. Episode 100, Racism in the Racism Craft. In the craft. That, was, that was a really special one, actually. 300 was Ask Me Anything, I believe. Uh, I don't know. We got we got phones. We can look we'll figure it up. Out. And then 400 is right here in person. So um, all right, go check that out. Shriners, go. So I will go first. All right. So um, the Shrine, one of the most amazing charities in the world. Yes. I've driven kids. Absolutely. Clap it up. Clap it up. I've helped. Not at all funded by the organization anymore. Hot. Yeah. Really? I've. Is I that have, true? Yeah. Yes. Yeah. Very so much of the Shriners Hospitals for Children's money comes from their endowments, yeah, and not true. from the dues and or so or interesting thing about that other things from the members of my mom saw a commercial one night, you know, late night infomercial about the Shriners. Uh, what's that? What's that dude's name? Who's now an adult? Um, who's on every commercial? Like the kid who became he's a grown up now. Um, does anybody know his name? You know that, what I'm talking about. That kid. Timmy. That kid, yeah. he's grown up. Anyway, my mom saw one of those commercials 20 years ago. And she started donating. She donated over the phone. She was oh, really? one of those phone. Yeah. And they would take it out every month. She had no idea it had anything to do with Freemasonry. Really? Yep. So, um, so now my spiel on the shrine. Absolutely fantastic, charitable organization. Yes. They do lots of fun, amazing things. For me, and I can speak for me only... I don't get out of the shrine what I was looking for in Freemasonry. Because you are a shriner. I am a shriner. Okay. Yeah. Um, I don't get a lot of masonry out of it. I get absolutely awesome fellowship. Yes. I get abilities to have fun with people. Um, you know, and you know they have their their same stuffy meetings like every other appendant body does. Mm -hmm. But um, I don't get masonry out of out of my interaction with the shrine. Um, and maybe there's some shrine, you know, some shrine temples that do amazing kind of stuff like that. But I just have not had that experience. And when I think masonry, I like my mom. I don't correlate the shrine to masonry. My shriner story is never joined the shrine. Um, I was at Camp Masonry with uh, a bunch of great brothers a few years ago in Ohio. I remember those guys. Oh. Brad S. Brad Drew sitting next to me, and we were, I don't know, probably too many beers in, and um, they were having an opportunity to join the shrine there, and the guy was making a great pitch, so much so that I had actually considered it for about a half a second. Did you get a until, petition? Yeah, yeah, until Brad Drew said, let's do it, RJ, and then he looked at the guy and he said, how long till we NPD? <laughs> but... So the, the Shrine has this reputation, I think, that's really interesting. Of course, the amazing uh, charities, um, 
In fact, uh, just not too long ago, a good brother, Mark St. Cyr, uh, wrote an article about a Shriner event where you could go see a burlesque show afterward. And this was a, a drive attraction thing. Uh, in fact, in, in my jurisdiction, there was a past grandmaster, Clarence P. Schwartz, who uh, there was an incident where the Malay. This is the reason why Illinois is a dry state for uh, alcohol and lodges, uh, as I understand it. Uh, the Malay was having a party and the shrine uh, provided everything and uh, somebody spiked the punch and a bunch of Malays got drunk. Oh. And uh, Clarence P. Schwartz, Grandmaster, called up the Imperial Potentate or whatever the leader of the state is and said, hey, you're no longer a Shriner. And he said, you can't do that. Uh, you don't control. He's like, no, 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 no. You got to be a Mason to be a Shriner, right? And he goes, yeah. He goes, we well, are expelled. Oh. Uh -huh. So, so this is like really weird dichotomy. You know what I mean? Like they have this mystique and it's really cool, and they say it's the fun part of Masonry. And uh, certainly, I think it it has spanned the gamut in terms of how to be social and have this great charity. But um, I. I don't know if I'm older. When I'm older, I'll probably join the shrine. It'd be some like I'd like to. I like dinner clubs and stuff, so maybe I'd take my wife somewhere. But gives you another night out, another badge on the back of the car. Yeah, I don't want to eat mm. dinner ever at home. <laughs> Who does? <clears throat> All right. So I'm going to take the liberty of our extending out our time, so I can tell my shrine story. Yeah, we can finish up with yours. Go ahead. Go ahead. Um, you could, I. This was the episode that never time. happened. Yes, the episode. What? What? Jason, go. <laughs> no, so um, I almost joined the shrine as my first appendant body uh, after being raised a Master Mason. Yeah, uh, a lot of folks in my mother lodge were very, very highly and in, in heavily invested in the shrine. And I actually looked up to, to a lot of those um, past masters and, and members of my lodge. And so I took my wife and I to a number of, of shrine events and I started to notice behavior at those events that I found personally to be contrary to the Masonic tenets I had inculcated through my three degrees. Um, having the potentate of the local shrine, who I'd never met before, come up to me and tell me slurringly that uh, if I wasn't a Mason, he would punch me in my mouth. I had no idea, like what I had done to uh, to offend this gentleman, um, and this was at the same time that another much younger Shriner was very interested in my wife and trying to force her to uh, imbibe alcohol. So strike one, and two, and three, and four. Yeah. Right, and so you know took a step back and said, okay, what, you know, let me get some more data about the organization and the, the, the people in it. And so talking, talking to more over the, the course of the next several months, um, I heard stories of Shriners uh, in my lodge talking, you know, about hiring strippers and other other things, talking especially about women in a very negative, denigrating fashion, that to me really 
went against a number of our charges in Freemasonry. And so I kind of tongue in cheek said, well, it seems like the shrine is where Masons go to forget their obligations. Oh. And I like, I'm openly ad admitting that based on my specific experiences with those Shriners, you know, in my, my sphere of, of influence. I know that's not the case everywhere. Globally. Right. right. But right. your personal anecdotal experience. Yeah. And that's why. Wow. And so for, for me, I want to be a part of an organization that celebrates women, celebrates diversity, and celebrates having a good time with an eye toward temperance. Mm -hmm. And to mm -hmm. me, that's masonry. Question. There's a question over question here. Question on the, with, on the floor. With the gray hat. So yes. question, two questions. So you said something really interesting. You said that was the first appendant body I was interested in joining. Yes. And I'm not gonna ask anybody in the crowd how old they are, but back in the day, you could not join the shrine as just a master mason. You'd have to have been a 32nd degree Scottish Rite Mason or a Knight Templar. Raise your hands if that was the case for you. Don't be shy, Al. Come on. Come on, Al. Come on, Al. We love you, Al. All right. So that is an actually interesting point um, where they changed that at some point, probably for membership. It was in the 90s, I believe. Was that right? 2000? Okay. Okay. So they were probably you know, concerned with membership, so they mm -hmm. dropped that requirement. But mm -hmm. before that, you had to have been Mason for a few years. Now, does that say it makes you a more mature, well-rounded person? I can't speak, you know, especially with your experiences that you had, but um, I do find it interesting that they took that requirement away just to get in more members. Right. So, well, and then and understanding, you know, how how the you know the shrine had really formed, you know, masonry was a lot of work, still is today, mm -hmm. but was a lot of work going through. The Blue Lodge and then you know picking your York Rite or or Scottish Rite and so the shrine was looked upon as I've heard it described as a less stuffy masonry where you can go to reap the rewards of the hard work that you have labored for in the quarry. So have, has anyone had fun at other Blue Lodge events? Yeah. Well, well okay so that, that kind of automatically like put some, some sort of weight against, you know, saying that you only go to the shrine to have fun, right, in masonry, right? We, we, we shouldn't seek that just as right. the one place to go for, for fun. It should be one of many options, but more importantly, you know, we, we have this breadth of the fraternity and, and we should appreciate what we have. So. If you want to hang out with your buddies in Lodge, outside of Lodge and just let loose, fine. Just don't bring it into Mason. Yeah. Right it doesn't need to be a part of Mason. Next topic. All right. Next topic. Get him. Get him. Now, I'm not saying there that the shrine has no, no place in Masonry. Yes, that's never I been never said. That. Never been said. Right. Yeah. Mm -hmm. We're wasting daylight. I know. Just uh, you know, let's go. Let's go. Blah, blah, blah. Oh, yes. Yes. What have you got? What is it? Uh, so let's talk about the LGBTQ uh, plus community in Masonry. Plus. I'm adding time to this. Okay. 
So we uh, asked ourselves what kind of 400 show we wanted to have tonight, <laughs> knowing that we were a couple beers in, and we said, screw it, we're just going to put in everything that we would want to talk about. It's a disclaimer, the Masonic Roundtable does not speak for any Grand Lodge or any No. <laughs> so um, I will admit my bias out the gates. Um, I do a lot of advocacy work around the LGBTQ community. Being a member of um, a men's professional music fraternity in college, um, I grew up seeing firsthand um, having very close friends who were targeted and just put down because of, of their orientation and, and gender. And so when my best friend, who I you know, met in Bible study a decade before, finally got the courage to come out to me because after six months he finally did because he was scared to death, I would never talk to him again. Um, I realized here is a community where I can be an ally and help. And, uh, and so you have seen what I've written on the Midnight Freemasons about um, homosexuality and Freemasonry. Um, you've seen what I've written about transgender uh, persons and, and Freemasonry, but this is such an important um, topic to me because I've seen my best friends hurt time and time again. So that's why I'm very passionate, especially about the social media, um, about this particular topic. Yep. Uh, are we gonna go? Uh, you can go. Okay. Um, yeah, my, my answer is pretty clear cut on this. Uh, I am a firm believer in love everyone. Um, a lot of people choose to use that very sparingly, uh, depending on their faith system or how they were raised or something. But, you know, uh, the one great command does not have any restrictions on it, right? It's not love only the people that look like you or pray to the same God as you or love the same type of people that you do. Um, so I can say, uh, you know, I have family members that are in the LGBTQ community. Um, I know brothers that are in the LGBTQ communities. Nowhere should we be, number one, getting our cackles up or even, sorry guys, I'm going to screw up our PG-13, giving a shit who somebody else chooses to love. We're banned. Okay? Yeah. We're going to be banned now. We're so we're not going to get yeah. that Sesame Street money. So, um, I mean, that's one place where I think people, uh, you know, especially in, in the umbrella of Freemasonry, should just mind your damn business. It's not some, you don't run around asking people if they're heterosexual. Hey, are you heterosexual? Most days. Okay, Most. so, you know. 80% of the time, it works 100% of the time. There's some handsome fellows here. There are, there are. Hey, sailor. So, um, no, but all kidding aside, it's, it's, like I said, it's something that certain people become fixated on, and number one, it's mind your damn business, and number two, you know, either you love unconditionally or you don't. Either you say you, you do the things that you are taught to do, or you're full of crap. Um, and, you know, I don't subscribe to the people that are full of crap. So, um, I love everybody unconditionally, um, and, you know, it doesn't matter who they go home and hug at night for me. I think, oh, good. I was just going to say, this was really interesting because 
all day long we can talk about how it really doesn't matter and people should mind their own business, yet there are places and lodges around the country and, and probably the world where, um, you know, if we're talking about, uh, you know, male craft masonry, uh, there are a number of, of times where somebody has been told, no, you can't join because of the sexual preference or sexual orientation. And what I find... Or, or your gender. Yeah, that too. So what's... Okay, so Illinois has a code, Code 280, that states uh, masonry holds no distinction uh, of, of uh, creed, race, religion. It is the internal and not the external qualifications of a man that you'd be recommended to be a, a member of the craft. And so we recognize that in the state of Illinois, we have seen firsthand a number of uh, individuals that never got to join a lodge because their sexuality was an issue, even though they said it wasn't the lodge, mm. right? Interesting. So we, we introduced legislation this last year to include the word sexual orientation into Code 280. Just a comma, sexual orientation, comma, it is the internal, not the external qualification. One gentleman took the stand. We get three minutes for, uh, and three against, six, you know, six total, and he says, uh, if we add this to the code, then it doesn't square with my version of Christianity. I'd have to leave Freemasonry. He said that on the Grand Lodge floor. Hmm. And I was like, wow. And the motion failed. And, and that's so incredibly disappointing. And yeah, it, I was I was I was like shell shocked. I was like, wow, like the guy said it has no place in the code. We wouldn't do that. And I said, well, the next year what I'm going to do is I'm going to introduce legislation to just strike Code 280 altogether. If we don't need to have a distinctions made, then... Don't make any. Don't make any. Mm. But they will. And they'll fail that too. I think, I think this gets to a bigger philosophical argument that we do not have time and one minute, 30 seconds left <laughs> to, uh, <coughs> to get into, which is how do we present ourselves as a system of morality that is ecumenical a and progressive moral science. progressive moral science yes that is like non-sectarian and how like inserting sectarian religious values into freemasonry to me has just failed the craft time and time and time again. Well, even, even outside of that, right, you have the power of the black ball, right? Yeah. Because even if you articulate to the T what constitutes a good moral person to join the fraternity, it's still up to the individual lodge to decide how they want to throw the black ball for non-inclusion or for not being fit for that particular lodge. Maybe not for the fraternity as a whole, but maybe not a good fit for that lodge. And we give each and every member that, that power, that authority to throw that black ball. And in most jurisdictions, it's, it's loosening in other places. It only takes one dissenting vote Pennsylvania's three, I think. Pennsylvania's now Some three. Some other places you are three. Texas, yeah. three dissenting Really, Texas, yeah. too. Yeah. Um, that, you know, three dissenting votes, or, or most jurisdictions, one dissenting vote, 
So, you know, we get so hung up on the intersectionality of even even if you meet specific Grand Lodge um, applicable um, guidelines to join the fraternity, um, it's still left to every member to determine what's what's fit for their lodge and uh, and you know whether whether that that fits for your lodge or whether it fits for another lodge. I mean, you know, I, I know just personally we've had members who would feel more comfortable in other lodges. Right? They, they join masonry, they, they say, hey, what, is, what do you think about this lodge? And we say, well, the membership there is, is more this or more that. And you might, you might be a better fit based off of your belief system, your orientation, whatever, at a different lodge. And then once, once you're in, you know, every master mason is treated on the level after that. But um, it's just how... It just bunch of different levels there's yes the beauty of Freemasonry is we're all on the level that's why there's so many right yeah. <laughs> so before we pick the next top next topic because okay. this, this was a heavy one this was like very cognitive uh, you guys like free stuff right yes. free okay. stuff. so we have more free stuff coming so there's some TMR pins coming your way Mo so. the intern thank you Mo the intern Woo! Just filling up Sean's Italian leather bag. Italian right. leather. It's back to me. I mean, I think technically it's me, but you can go. No, I, get, I get to pick on your behalf. Pick, pick. You got to pick on your behalf, and I'll pick Big up. data. Big data. Ooh, this is a good one. Oh. I mean, they're all good. They're all good. No, they're not. This one is <laughs> more especially. Uh, grassroots Masonic education. Pros, cons. How's it, how it's been going? Starting off. I hate it. I was ready. You hate okay. it. You hate everything. I, I was really excited. Everyone hates you. I was really excited with how Refracted Light as a Facebook group Ooh, got kicked yeah. off. So has anyone ever been to a Refracted Light Facebook group or watched Refracted, Refracted Light? Light? Yeah. Uh, yeah. Cool so, dudes. So more, more than half. Yeah. Congratulations. Um, I have to talk about Saperi all day. And in a minute. How about Saperi well. all day? Anyone? Oh my Saperi goodness. Saperi all day. Okay. So fantastic. Most. These were initiatives that, that grew organically, not led by any Grand Lodge. They were all just brothers like us, like you, that just said, you know what? I want to talk about cool, nerdy stuff. It's the pandemic. Let me just use a platform and share, share this idea with the world. Whoever wants to hop on, great. If you're not interested, move on. Like it's, it's no big deal. Um, I think it's, it, it was really fascinating. We've talked about this on TMR a couple times, about how it filled a niche that was missing from an educational, from a fraternal aspect, at least for the first couple of years of the pandemic. However, comma, now, two years later, two plus years later since the pandemic hit, they've really started to taper off a little bit, right? Um, the, the quality, the, the number of online events and everything have, they're still there, thankfully, but they've also started to they kind of reached market saturation and started to dwindle. Mm. Not the quality, and quality is still great, which is awesome. I'm glad to see that. But you know, from a grassroots Masonic education perspective, have we reached the tipping point? You know, and and really, what's what's the future of that, Joe? Yeah. So um, I, I think you hit the nail on the head. You know, and it, I think a lot of those refracted light and superiority. Um, Number one, their stuff is still available on YouTube and on Facebook. Yes. Like you can go back forever. forever. Right. It is there forever. There's so a ton of topics. A lot of stuff. Watch. I mean, uh, Superiority is up to what three hundred something. Right. 
yeah. Episodes yeah. in TMR is up years. to 400 episodes. TMR, so, well, you know. Yeah, it's a really WCY yeah. hit 400 episodes like 10 years ago. Yes. I'm old. Yes. Yeah. So, but I think that if we're using those as examples of successful grassroots initiatives, 100% bar none, they win. Um, I think we're starting to see this pop up in the more official Masonic uh, channels. You know, you have jurisdictions that are becoming more flexible when opening new lodges. Um, at least in my jurisdiction, you need, what, 25 Master Masons, Jason? Open 25? Uh, 25, I 25, believe. something yes. like that. Some jurisdictions require 25, 30 people uh, to open a lodge. And I think, especially, you know, I speak for American Freemasonry, um, with my own opinion, of course, that uh, the way we do lodges here for the last 50 or 60 years is quite different than they do it in the rest of the world, right? Um, you go to the UK or you go to South America or you go to other parts of Europe. Once they hit 25, 30 dudes, they're full, and this is like, we have way too many people. There's only so many people I can be best best friends with, and we need to split off and start a new lodge. Um, that's why the UGLE has, what, 10,000 plus lodge numbers, because they reach a saturation point with how many people can be BFFs, and then some of them break off and start something else. Here in the United States, we're completely the opposite. If we don't have 300 members on our rolls, we're a dying lodge, right? We're a small lodge. We're not getting that per capita that we all love. Um, you know, to have our beautiful buildings and have our beautiful masonry. Um, but I think we just don't think about starting things in a grassroots type of way because we're not accustomed to that. We have the big infrastructure and organization of Freemasonry. We have to maintain it. We have to keep the lights on. We have to keep the buildings pretty. We have to get rid of that builder's beige that we see everywhere. And, um, and yeah, so it's, it's a different mindset for us. I think there's a lot of there's a lot to be said for grassroots movements when uh, you've got new masons, um, and I say, uh, you know, they could be young or old, just new masons that want some sort of education, and then they can't really get it out of their lodge. They try to do like an event, and they're told, "Well, start a study group," uh, and what that does is it's. Uh, it immediately undercuts the entire purpose. You know, you're telling them that nobody at the regular stated meeting would want this. So, you know, go off with your nerd friends and go do a thing. And you know, you can use the lodge on Wednesday nights uh, after the OES is done doing whatever. And uh, I think it's a, it's a real shame. Um, I think in order to have some, you don't always have to do these things. But if we want to see some serious grassroots changes to masonry. You can look at some of like the root cause analysis of what a Grand Lodge is looking to do uh, to solve some of their problems. And then you can attack those via, you know, bylaw revisions and things. And maybe you don't get those bylaw revisions passed, but here's the thing. They come up before, you know, the thousands of Masons in attendance. And also they go into the written record, for instance, uh, I was just having a conversation with somebody who, in their Grand Lodge, introduced the idea of killing off per capita for multiple lodges. Mm. So like right now in Illinois, every lodge I belong to, I have to pay, I, I pay per capita on. But if this legislation had passed, which it wasn't Illinois legislation, uh, it was another state, they would only get it for the mother lodge. And so what that does is, those kinds of things automatically like undercut, I think, 
you know, a Grand Lodge's, I don't know, like, it, it starts to get them to think about, um, <laughs> wow, yeah, you really killed me there. Uh, it, Jason you. drew something on my paper. Uh, it gets the Grand Lodge to kind of realize that maybe they're not as in tune with things as they think they might be. Uh, you could introduce things like going to quarterly business meetings and yet uh, have six other meetings that can be designated for degree work or educational purposes. Gasp. Uh, just, you know, there's a lot of things that you can do to put before people that it will eventually get them to start thinking differently about Masonic education. I, I will say, and this is a little off topic, but we're talking about online. We're kind of talking about online masonry a little grassroots. bit. That's how we start. We, yes, grassroots. But I think what small. what yeah, I think what the uh, the pandemic showed us is that you can still do masonry without having to go to a stuffy business meeting once a month, um, and in some places, super Minutes. successfully. But I think that a lot of those efforts were were grassroots because you didn't see every lodge doing it. You saw people that were vehemently against, no, I'm not going to get on Zoom and talk masonry with you. That's stupid. Um, yep. That was my best old past master accent. Work on it. Um, it's okay. Yeah. It's okay. Two more months. It's Two okay. more months. And then I can get that. Needs a um, little more spite. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> some, some anger. <laughs> some anger. <laughs> but, um, yeah, I mean, I think you saw some lodges that figured out, like, holy crap, we can do this. And this is cool, and let's keep doing it. Um, so yeah, so hopefully that fire doesn't go out. <laughs> I'm done. Nice. All right, three, two, one. But John. Ding. So my opinion. Oh wait. Um, <laughs> who's next? It's Jason. Jason, get it, Jason. on my behalf. Yeah. So we're in the home stretch now. Get something good. Because we're we've been going for well over an hour, enjoying this. I think you guys guys have been going. We're not going to go till midnight, so. Don't worry about that. Woo! Yeah. Was very we happy. don't have to stop in 20 minutes. We don't have to stop in 20 minutes. Mo, but Mo we, was very excited. We, it will get close, <laughs> close to 20 minutes. Who wrote these? You oh, wait, it was me. <laughs> oh, what did you write? This is actually going to be a really, really good revisit of our most controversial episode in our almost nine-year history. Episode 40-something. 42. So 42. Youth groups. Youth groups. Episode 42, if you're following oh, along. Y'all are looking at me. Okay. Thank you, so, Joe. <laughs> I will go first. What do you think of youth groups? Having I will go first. Kids. Joe having, is our minority. I, no. <laughs> <laughs> I, have a, I have a daughter in Rainbow, and I have a son who just joined DMLA. Um, I think youth groups are cool. Um, are they Masonic? Nope. Um, you know, do they suddenly make you a Mason? Nope. And I think both of my children will agree with that. Um, do are they there to teach lessons and give our children baselines for better behavior? Absolutely. Do they teach service? Do they teach charity? Do they teach sisterhood or brotherhood? Absolutely. Are they Masonic? Nope. Um, you know, so I think that, I mean, all of our youth groups were started by Masons. Um, you know, True. all three of them, right. the three major ones, were started by a Mason. Um, I mean, even our, our appendant bodies where we have uh, ladies, those were all started by Masons as well, you know, to, to answer a need. And I think in the early 1900s, there was a really big need to keep our children engaged and to pass along some of those values. But um, at the end of the day, I like having them. Uh, some lodges I don't think can sustain them, and I think that they 
youth groups suffer because the lodges are limping along and then in turn the youth group is limping along where you've got two or three Demolay boys um, and that constitutes their, their chapter um, or you've got two rainbow girls and that constitutes that. Uh, they suffer the same issues that Masonic lodges do. So consolidate or die, um, you know, is really the big thing. But I'm, I'm glad that it's there. Um, you know, it's definitely like I can speak for my daughter who's probably watching because she's a big Masonic nerd. Um, she's definitely watching, um, and some of you know her. Uh, I think it's gotten her, it's gotten her thirst for knowledge, uh, you know, it's definitely whet her appetite in her thirst for knowledge, and I think she's going to do amazing things when she grows up, um, outside of that youth group. So I'm going to say something unpopular. Ooh, go. And, and it's a really bad metaphor, so forgive me, it's late in the night, but Masonic youth groups are like the utility room of... Freemasonry, and the fact that they are an essential part of the history of fraternity of, of the of the structure of Freemasonry, but if you aren't taking care of the main parts of your house, having a perfectly de decorated, refined utility room to do your laundry in isn't. It's not. It's not the sexy part of Masonry. It's not the essential part of Masonry. It is. It is um, uh, a part that has become part of the Masonic family over the years, but um, especially now in 2022, it, it's one that if we don't focus on the essentials, which is masonry, right? If we don't focus on Blue Lodge uh, masonry, then then focusing too much on the other, on the utility room may or may not be the best, the highest priority thing we should be focused on right now. So. Um, Again, it's it's not saying that it doesn't have a piece in, in the house, right? You need you need a utility room in your house, and um, if if you are trying to sell your house, you want to make sure that the other parts are stable, firm, strong, right, uh, well decorated, and ready to survive well beyond, right, the uh, the many years that you hope to to have your house survive. Um, so I disagree, and I think you're stupid. I mean, Thank you. fair point. Fair point. I, I, I feel like most people say that to John. Um, so for, for me, I think this is very much like the one-day conferral or one-day class conversation where I'm like, okay, you are trying to use a certain thing as a tool to solve a problem where I don't think you have demonstrated the causal link in it being a solution and or I don't know if you're solving the right problem right and so maybe that's what I was trying to say you know and I don't know what you were trying to say uh, nobody know you don't know what you were trying to say no but let, let, um, I mean I am speaking I'm gonna interrupt you so no you bring up a good point John no, I do. I, I've seen he does though. I've, I've seen you know. And listen, I've got kids in both groups, but I'm gonna say it. I've seen certain groups of people, their kids join youth groups, and their parents are not related to the Masonic family at all. Right? Back in the day, you used to have to have a mom or a right. dad or somebody yeah. that was Mason. Now all of those restrictions are gone. Right? Really? Almost. Mm -hmm. But I've seen it used as marketing towards the adults. Right? Like you know, your your girl joins Rainbow Girls. It's like, hey, why aren't you a Mason? You know, and we use that as a recruiting tool sometimes. So I don't know if that's their ultimate purpose or not. But um, now, what were you saying, Jason? Now, so now we care. <laughs> now we care. Uh, that, that train left the station about well, 20 seconds. No, I like the part where he agreed with me. 
Okay, no, nobody cares. <laughs> Shut up. <laughs> We're getting punchy tonight. This is how we interact, like, After in the green room. There's more swag coming, by the way, just yes. so you know, for yes. sticking around. When Mo stops so, looking at his phone. No, 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 no. He's I, following I will, live. I will cue that up. Um, all of you shut up. <laughs> all right. You should be seen and not heard. I'm the brains of, of this organization. I don't like it. Uh, <laughs> no, I'm kidding. Passion. Um, I'm the brain passion. dead of this. Passion. Wow. Passion. You have passion. I have passion. I'm passionate about you. So when it comes to youth groups, I have seen a lot of youth groups lifted up as the future of Freemasonry. Oh, yes. Mm -hmm. And so that is where I have the problem. Because if you look at the data, well, correct, um, which largely we do not have, mm -hmm. we do not have, to my knowledge, a comprehensive data set on those demolays that further on to become Masons. Do we have any here? Any Was anybody previous demolay that joined Masonry? None in the audience. Okay, that is a one, Joby. two, two. Okay. Okay. Right. Joby. Okay. Awesome. Yeah. Right Amazing. I feel like uh, that is a small sample so, so, size. So I do have the the survey I did in 2016. Yeah. I did ask if you are a Mason, were you a member of a, a youth group prior to joining? And uh, the data came back of of that small sample size that it was like. Nine percent, so less than one in ten. It's like ninety and a thousand. Yeah, so so less than one in ten were a member. So if, if you're counting on that as your pipeline of getting new members in, there's probably better avenues. E either way, right? And so what I'm trying to say through all of this is, if we want to make claims about organizations, especially from the Grand Lodge level and the, and the Masonic leadership level, let's have the data to back up those claims that we are making to ensure that we are doing the right thing for the right reason. And so my issue is people are guilted into supporting youth groups by saying, if you don't yep. support this youth group yep. now, masonry will die later because you are cutting off masonry at the legs for the younger generation. And I point. do not think that is true. Yep. And we do not have the data to back up that what assertion. Do, do, Sean Bradshaw should do a should, presentation on the decline of masonry. <laughs> Learning to love it. That would be good. I'm gonna say this anyway, and it's, and it, it's probably a weird thing to say, but Everything I, you say is weird. I really feel like youth groups, uh, and, and there's, there's, there's plenty of, uh, you know, police reports to prove this, but uh, I really think it's a liability for the Masonic fraternity to have them without having proper background checks on the dads of the organization. Yes. Interesting. Just for 30 more seconds, okay. if we could talk about that, just because this actually came up in, in my small sphere. Do we have anybody here who used to be a Boy Scout? Boy Scout. Boy Scout, okay, have kids who are Boy Scouts. Cub Scouts, whatever. Okay, everybody and their mother is running away from sponsoring Boy Scout troops. In the last couple of years, um, and this was presented uh, to me from a brother, um, 
because the church that has sponsored them for the last hundred years came back and said, we can't sponsor you anymore. Our denomination. Uh, that's really? exactly right. Yes. Yeah, wow. that's exactly right. So, and they're one of the largest sponsors and sponsoring for them is you don't pay money. You don't have to, you just sign a name and say, hey, they're allowed to be a, a group. And that was the um, United Methodist Church. And huh. that was, I wasn't mentioning names, but. Oh, um, I did. Yes, so, you know, one of the largest sponsors of Boy Scout troops is now saying, hey, this is too much of a liability for us. We can't do it anymore. Wow. So what's gonna happen to all, and boy, you know, there's a lot of synergies between Boy Scouts and Masons, you know, where people like to, you know, we give out Eagle Scout awards and things well, like I that. I thought you were and, putting an emphasis on sin. No, well, there's some of that, but, um, <laughs> uh, but yeah, one of the largest groups in the country that keeps Boy Scout troops alive is now saying, we're done. And you know there's going to be fallout there. So you, you bring up an amazingly uh, good point. Probably the yeah. only one of the evening. Yes. And it is okay. a specific issue with liability oh, yeah. around putting measures in place to protect those children. Right. Absolutely. Right. Yeah. Here's what we're going to do. What? We're going to do one last topic. Oh, I hope mm. it's green beans. One last topic, or hear some moans and groans. Like, or you guys are rock stars. For should we do several speed rounds? Ninety Ooh. second speed. speed, speed, rounds? speed rounds? So two minute speed rounds, thirty seconds per person. Before we, do, ooh, I like that. Before yep. we do, we do I have good ideas. So, Rarely. so I need to. As we're queuing that up, um, I would like to go back to our grassroots. Masonic education efforts and say, okay, uh, a bunch of us do a little thing called Esotericon. Woo woo. Esotericon! Yeah. Woo! Man, what are we paying you for? Not a Masonic event. Not a Masonic event. Not a Masonic event. Yes. That uh, keeps us out of trouble from That's several right. grand jurisdictions. Um, <laughs> so, my question to the audience is um, which of you were not at present physically at this past year's Esotericon in Manassas? Raise your hand. Not there. not there. Not there. In Manassas, Virginia. Definitely some who were. I see okay. y'all. I see y'all. So um, I am the swag guy for Esotericon. Uh, I do the branding and I, I largely procure the, the merchandise for the, the con. We had some extras this past year and for those of you who were not able to make it in person um, would like to be able to give you all a little bit of a moment memento uh, our intern Mo so Mo the intern um, our intern Mo will either give you an official esotericon brass singing bowl singing bowl that everybody in person got uh, or an Esotericon branded uh, tarot deck Ooh, is that, that Brother RJ Ooh, uh, by designed Handmade. by hand um, with all Overlaid. of the Esotericon speakers past and present. And so... Yeah, there's been a lot of good stuff tonight. Yeah, yeah. we got more. We got speed round. Speed round. Yep. Speed round. So while that's going on, all right. Speed, speed round. round. All okay. right. So what's, what are the rules for speed round? All right. What, 90, 90 seconds? seconds? No, no, no. It's two minutes. Two minutes. Two 30 minutes. seconds, 30 seconds, 30 seconds, Ooh. 30 seconds. Okay. We go down the row. I will say when it's time for you to quit yapping. Okay. Okay. Y'all ready? Yeah. Here speed we go. round. 
Okay, number one. The number one biggest challenge to Freemasonry. I'll no. start. Or no. you start. I Wait. picked it, you start. Okay. Number one biggest challenge to Freemasonry, relevance in 2022. Okay. Uh, it's that we, as a philosophical moral society, uh, we need to recapitulate our value proposition to make sure that we have a home for those who are lost in you know, the polarization of debate and that we are trying to unify each other. And that's the beauty Next. of our fraternity. Go. Okay. Uh, number one challenge to Freemasonry is um, not treating masonry like a business that needs to be maintained. Looking at it from a <coughs> transactional perspective and putting into place practices to make masonry solvent, sustainable, and have its value proposition. Yay! Relooked at. Agreed. Robert. Robert Johnson. Being a progressive moral science and, and, and following through with what that demands of us as a fraternity. So, you know, there's a time when we were viewed as uh, ahead of the curve and we are behind the curve. And uh, we always say, oh, that's because of tradition or that's because society's, you know, crazy now, you know, Joe. anything goes. Uh, we need to decide what we're gonna be in the future. Are we a social club or are we a philosophical school that initiates members? Pick one, you can't do both. I'm done. Okay, he's okay. His good job, I like it. Okay, right. next topic. All right, ready? Yeah. Oh, there's two here. When, oh, in 30 seconds, you gotta answer this. When did you almost quit and why? All right, Joe. Okay, when I started to notice that there were some people that were not brotherly and looked at me and others that were different because of our color of our skin or who we prayed to, I said, I don't wanna be a part of this, but I thought if I quit, then they would win. So I said, screw you, I'm sticking around. Next, go. Uh, it was two times. So the first time was when I was uh, fired as a DDGM for being screenshot on Facebook, having a debate about agnosticism versus atheism as it relates to Freemasonry. It was like said that I was admitting to be an atheist or something, which was taken out of context. And they made me quit. And then they also asked me to finish my official visits, though. So uh, that was fun. And uh, I don't know. What's they got six seconds? The other yep. one was uh, stuff. Pick a pick a day. Pick one. Shit. <laughs> Tuesday. All right. Um, Take a day. <laughs> me. Uh, after I stepped down from my year in the East, uh, the grant. Log, or leadership uh, put me in a difficult position in relationship to um, one of our past masters and how we as a lodge remembered him. And um, I remember. I you remember? started a veritable civil war in my lodge, <laughs> and to this day, I don't feel comfortable or at home in my mother lodge and haven't been back. Uh, for me, it was when I got a passive aggressive notice. That from the committee on work that uh, they did not like the use of our chamber of reflection when I was master of the lodge. 
um, and that they, they weren't going to officially call me out on it, but they wanted to know verbally that they knew that they didn't like what they did, what I did. So it was like, so are you calling me out or not? Um, and then, of course, the other times were uh, when I realized Masons don't read. But then Albert Mackey also figured that out 100 years before. Yes, he did. Yeah. Mm-hmm. All right, next one. And Jason will go first. Okay. The Lodge Chaplain. The Lodge Chaplain. Um, why do we pray in Lodge? And this was one that uh, I, I wanted to get our intern up here for. Um, so <laughs> what, what I will do is I will suspend this <gasps> and I will say... You're breaking the rules. Intern Mo, come up here in two minutes. I want you to talk about why you're the Lodge Chaplain for Manasseh. Come on. Mo the intern. Yay, Mo the intern. Go for it, man. Go. Do it. Why don't we pray? Do it. You're not on TV. Well, I do believe that um, at the end of the day, God is in the heart, and um, it should be there. Um, And it should be a a good difference between what's going on in the outside world and what's spiritually important to you. Um, There are many connections made across multiple religions, and if you kind of get into them, they mainly touch on God. Um, And... I believe the chaplain position is very important because it should ease your heart as the things happen, um, remind you of your obligations and the things that you swore an oath to because at the end of the day, it was to a, a higher deity. Um, and that's why to me it's very important. I'm going to keep it short. One minute. That's it. I will close that by saying, um, having sat in lodge with Brother Mohammed, uh, he is the single most impactful chaplain in the lodge I have ever been in. Wow. That's, that's high. high Mo the intern. Yep. Woo! Uh, ready? Yeah. All right. Go. Uh, you go first. Contemplative masonry. Um, masonry and its alignment with contemplative traditions. Um, I have, within the past several years, just been comfortable, just become comfortable enough with exploring the meditation and contemplation. And I think when combined with the tenets of Freemasonry and medicate, or medicating, meditating, <laughs> medication helps. You should medicate. Meditating uh, <laughs> through the tenets of Freemasonry uh, is a force multiplier for your spiritual and personal development. Boom. You. Why are we here? Right, right? We're here to make, uh, take good men and make them better. So bitter, the only way to do that, to better, not bitter, the best way to do that is by looking inward and figuring out why we're here. You know, what are we put on earth to do? How do we be good people while we're here? And then how do we like spread that love going forward? Robert. Uh, exactly what John said. We have a set of working tools. Those are literally you know, uh, uh, tools of your psyche. So uh, yeah. Use them. Yeah. Joe. So, yeah, uh, first time I walked into uh, uh, a lodge that I later became a member of and uh, understood what observant masonry was, I became hooked with observant masonry in general and the contemplative practices that went on. And I, I, I can't imagine masonry without having a contemplative component ever again. Boom, done. Next. Boom. You pick one. Nice. These are, these are good. Modern day Masonic guiding principles. So if you could reimagine 
a Masonic principle for today. Ooh, a modern, what would it be? The modern damn. take. 30 seconds? Yeah. Is that a... Damn. Go, Joe. Will Wheaton Law. Will Wheaton? Yes. Which is? Don't be a dick. Don't be a dick. Don't be a dick. Don't be Richard. We're, we're trying to keep the Sorry. YouTube clean. It's not happening. I, <laughs> I didn't pick my name. Don't be a... Jason Richards. Jason Richards. Rob. Anything to add? Robert. I, I don't know. You know. <laughs> a modern Masonic virtue. So I would... Be I would say what? Be, progr be, be progressive. progressive. <laughs> <laughs> so uh, let me just jump in and say that that's actually kind of what makes masonry awesome, right? Is that these th these tenets that we've been living under for the past 300 plus years are still relevant in 2022. Amen. Yeah. Mm. It's a uh, it's an umbrella. Yeah. Do what makes sense given the limited information that you have even if what makes sense is uncomfortable. Yeah. I thought you were going to say, do what thou wilt. <laughs> I, let it be the whole of all. Let it be your will and not mine. <laughs> all right, boom. Next one. No. You ready? This yeah. is a good one. Okay. Music's place in Freemasonry. Yes. John first. Um, Freemasonry should not exist without, free, without music, in the sense that... Um, Music as a liberal, liberal arts and science uh, brings us to an emotional connection with the vibration of the deity. Hmm. Boom, stole my answer. So yeah, um, it's one of the seven liberal arts. It is absolutely important when done respectfully and tastefully. Right. Uh, you know, you're not playing K-pop during right. a fellow craft degree. Not playing um, WAP. Yeah, uh, I think it's absolutely essential to the initiatic experience. Um, and uh, yeah, it's a, it's a have to have. Yep. Have to have, not a not a nice to have. A have to have. A have to have. It, it's a have to have. I think if anybody ever told us that we couldn't, you know, play something in a degree uh, for the procession or something, I I would I would have strong problems with that. We'd probably just do it anyway and take the heat. Yeah, bazinga. So there's there's a song that says when when words fail, music speaks. There you go. And hmm. music is a divine way to convey the abstract, spiritual, and intangible. Um, spoiling some of my uh, presentation for tomorrow, I do a lot of research into near-death experiences and how they model the initiatic experience. And one of those uh, highlights or, or themes of a near-death experience is a degree of ineffability where you have this experience and it's like you're seeing graphics through a PlayStation 5 engine and you come back down to earth and you are in a Nintendo entertainment system world trying to convey that PlayStation 5 experience. And there are... Uh, there are members of the community who have had near-death experiences who have said the only way I can express what happened to me is through music. Wow. And if we take that out of Freemasonry, we lose such a spiritual means of conveyance. Your, your mileage may vary depending on your jurisdiction. Boom. Yes. We do not speak for any Grand Lodge no, jurisdiction. We no, we do not. You yeah. should, though. <laughs> Go. Uh, 
That's how you get suspended. We're watching paint dry. That's what, uh, Don't put them I wanted, back. I wanted to make sure that we got that. Good ritual work. Okay. Is it important? Why? Joe. Yeah, it's absolutely important uh, because the uh, I'm looking at someone who does some of the most amazing ritual work I've ever seen because he gives a crap and he's imparting a really special experience. And if you do it well, it actually transcends what you're doing in that place and time. So, you know, if you're building a sacred space, keep it sacred and do the ritual sacred. Boom, done. Great. John. I used to not be a fan of ritual and I changed over the years uh, because... I found too many people working, being robots, basically just being Masonic robots and just following the motions without understanding what it means. And I'm okay with that now because even if a, per a person is a perfect ritualist, they're preserving some knowledge for the future generations. So, Unless you have a right. cipher book, then it's there for everybody. Yes, unless you have a Masonic cipher. <laughs> Boom. All right. Over, over to me. Um, Ritual and floor work heightens the initiatic experience, which I find to be the true secret of Freemasonry. Um, through movement and ritual, you are able to create a sacred space and, like music, convey the ineffable as part of a holistic experience. And so making sure that you are putting your all into that conveyance brings the the masonic experience to to the neophyte yeah. robert uh so what john said preserving the past right so i think about the book for fahrenheit 451 right mm. like how many how many how many masons do you know whose name would be standard work <laughs> um, it, so this is really important but also i think back to things like the baltimore convention where there's evidence to show that like this is where illinois had adopted this thing where it's stand and deliver. You can't use your hands, you gotta stand in the east and deliver the lecture, ba 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 ba, right? I gotta use my hands. And, but that's not theatrical, that's not uh, moving, it's not real. Ritualistic. So, uh, yeah. Thespianism. Yeah. Boom, ready? Yep, yeah. do it. Oh, this is a long one. What aside from religion and politics can divide men? John, this was your idea. Holy Crap. Oh, jeez. What device? Outside of religion, politics, and borders, and, and or nationalities. Mm -hmm. um, tribalism, right? So we are, we are tribal creatures, and we form affinities towards different things. So the first thing that comes to mind is like Android versus iPhone, <laughs> right? Or um, different kinds of you know, uh, of groups that we, we tend to align to. And so, you know, if there was an Android-only Affinity Lodge, I'd probably join that, um, as opposed to those awful iPhones. So um, I'll start with that, with that one as a dividing factor. Go. Robert. The overstepping of boundaries in terms of Masons assigning uh, any number, pick a topic, and they'll say that's being political when it isn't. So, like uh, civics, for instance. Joe. Hmm. hmm. Uh, it's a deep dish pizza. Th that is not pizza. It's I know it's deep dish or or New York. Uh, New, York New York. New York all the way. Okay. That's not a thing. That, that is something um, we can divide people. Yeah. So good. Yeah, I don't even remember what my answer was because <laughs> Chicago deep dish pizza is a souffle. It's a okay. souffle. <laughs> fight me. I'll meet you outside. You fight me. Me. Too. I got your back. 
Cognitive biases, especially when it comes to groupthink and or mirror imaging, especially looking at someone and judging them because you say, well, I would never do that because I would never do that and you are doing that. You are less of a person. You are an less other. You're you are an other, person. and you are an other who is beneath me. So uh, I'll, I'll bonus track that and say that uh, one of my. You can't. No, you won't. Son of a gun. Because we're done. Anytime right. you say you're done, they do something you're different. That's, right. <laughs> that's, that's a divide. Right. Yep. You're done. All right. You're ready? Fun one. OES is clandestine. Robert Johnson. I mean, uh, so if you're a member of Internet Lodge 9569 or any other United Grand Lodge of England, then it is clandestine because it is. Mm -hmm. uh, there's nothing I can do about it. So um, <coughs> this is one of my favorite things to, uh, to point out to, uh, to those American brethren who um, like to talk shit about female craft. Masonry. So much for our rating um, system there. Uh, yeah, I mean, we've already taken the S word away or, or thrown that that bomb, but... Take swords for 200, Alex. <laughs> you, you're done. No. Um, you're done. The, the fact of the matter is um, if we claim lineage back to UGLE and it's a big source of pride, yet we hold very, very different viewpoints on the regularity of women and um you know even even rights of transgendered person like that to me showcases a disconnect in us picking and choosing our our battles i just have to say like i just don't know how i feel about an organization that requires a dude to be there for them to open <laughs> so stupid agreed john agreed Okay. Moving on. This is a quick one. Cool. All right. What? Oh, okay, this should be a quick one. Skulls. Skulls and masonry. I hate them. I personally think they're <laughs> offensive. And I can't even say this no, without but, laughing. But, but seriously, um, as part of the Masonic tradition is to contemplate why we're here and um, as part of that is to re remember that you will die. Memento mori. Like, let, this is part of the Masonic condition, so uh, to take that away as a Masonic symbol is anti-Masonic. Flat out. All right, Robert. No, just what John said is good. Joe. Yep, I second John. Well, and finally, look at this. Me, I'm going to say I, I disagree begrudgingly force John, but at the same time, I concur, and let me tell you why. Three for three. Um, Son yes. of a goat. Um, so much of the initiatic experiences, life, death, rebirth, especially in our third degree, the emblems of death, specifically the memento mori, are a reminder, a constant reminder of that liminal stage of initiation where we died to become the better person that society and masonry needs us to be. And that is why it is critical that we return to that symbol again and again and again to remind ourselves of who we are called to be. Nice. Bazinga. Y'all ready? Yep. Yeah. All right. Green beans. Green beans. I'm going to go first. Joe. I'm going to go first. Joe. As my favorite Masonic vegetable, 
I, green beans for me are a allegory for Freemasonry. Okay. <laughs> whoa, whoa. Green whoa, beans whoa. are. It's hey, allegoryception. <laughs> green beans are an awesome vegetable when done properly. Ninety-nine percent of the time, you get soggy, watery crap. Okay. That is a perfect allegory for Freemasonry. Yeah, we're we talking about Masonry. Oh, hey, we're Masonry in the green. Masonry is soggy, watery crap. We get soggy, watery crap, except for. Is this a modern day working tool? It should be. Except for, I'm going to call out Janine. Makes the best green beans, and she lives here in the wonderful state of North Carolina. Woo! All right. So, All right. Robert. So, uh, I, I don't like green beans unless they're uh, prepared well. I don't like it, you know, out of the can. It's just stupid. I don't, what do you want me to say? All That's right. it. That's all you need. Over over to me, um, riffing off of what Joe said, I, I think the, the distaste for green beans comes with, oh, hey, going to Lodge, what's for dinner? Oh, it's dried chicken with no green seasoning. And, uh, green or, beans, or too much wine. Uh, and, you know, canned green beans. And it's emblematical of us just not giving a shit about the Masonic experience. That's He's true. cursed more than That's me. That's true. He's wow. saying more potty mouth than I am, okay? I don't believe. I like my green beans like my masonry traditionally observant. Okay. <laughs> How do you traditionally observe green you beans? Just watch you them. just watch them go by. You don't yeah. do anything. <laughs> All right. It's not like an Andy Warhol painting where you're like, oh, no, that's, that's not traditional at all. Soup. Yeah. All right. Okay. So, green Next. beans. Next. Quick one. Life memberships. Cool. Trash. Does not benefit the craft. Uh, benefits the individual mason who wants to just kind of skate through, but does absolutely nothing. Actually, worse than that is detrimental to the individual lodge over the course of time and will further the financial instability of the craft. I looked at six different jurisdictions and found the same things that anybody who buys a life membership based on the uh, usual amount of uh, 3.5% return on the total investment of a lodge, the lodge usually doesn't seem to see a dime from you until you've been dead for 10 years. Wow. So. So hurry up and die. Yeah, <laughs> yeah in, that, in a year sure. where you, know, you have 19% inflation plus. Oh, yeah, don't even get me started on that yeah. shit. Uh, John, last thing I'll add to that is not being economically viable, but also not being behaviorally economically viable. If, uh, if you've committed yourself to a lodge that is failing, then you're stuck. And so I, I, I personally believe that masonry... My Royal Arch Life membership. That you should be able to say, you should be able to vote with your dollars, vote with your dues, and say, you know what, um, this lodge isn't working out for me, it's time for me to move on because this, I'm in a different place than I was 10 years ago as a mason, and so I'm going to go to a different lodge that supports the kind of masonry that I want. And that voting with your dollars, voting with your dues, is a good way to uh, promote the craft. Next. All right, ready? Yeah. yeah. 30 seconds. Yeah. Can't talk longer. Right. Women in Freemasonry. Oh, yes. Oh, fine, I'll go first. Monica and, and Phoebe so and everybody up here. I absolutely love that there is a vehicle for someone like my daughter to pursue the same amazing initiatic path that I did. Um, I think it's amazingly awesome. Um, having been to Freemasons Hall, you know, you brought up the example. You walk into Freemasons Hall, there is a huge display on women in Freemasonry at the Museum of the United Grand Lodge of England. I think we as Americans kind of put blinders on to that and say, go join Robert. Eastern Star. 
Yeah, I don't. I, I wouldn't care if we had ladies in Malecraft. Me, you know, in my own lot. Like I wouldn't. I just. It doesn't make a difference to me. I'm happy as long as uh, there's equity across the board, and, and anybody who's anybody who wants to get into what Freemasonry has to offer can do that. I, I would support that. Over to me. Uh, I am so thrilled to, you know, live in a country where we have the ability for there to be male craft masonry, mixed men and women masonry, and female craft masonry. And that to me, um, and the ability for men and, and women and um, non-binary individuals to choose you know what kind of masonic experience they have um i think that's a wonderful thing and i think that should be celebrated understanding that i am not at all calling for mixing of obediences fair enough john yeah, uh, just double down on what jason said as a as a father of four girls like i hope they have the kind of experience that i've had because i've got a lot from freemasonry and I'm glad that there's lots of avenues to approach that. And so um, there's a lot of history with uh, female craft masonry and, and, and mixed masonry and, and Prince Hall masonry, right? So let's, uh, there's no rush to unify them when there's a lot of uh, art and appreciation for each of those. Yep. Aiding the distressed. John. Aiding the distressed. Uh, you know, what are we here to do as not, not only just masons but as human beings right we're here to help others and and become better people and so um charity uh is a byproduct of the craft we've talked about that a lot on tmr charity is not what we do it's a it's an outcome of why we're masons in the first place and uh, while it shouldn't be I, my personal opinion i don't think it should be the focus of the craft like we should just go out and look for um, ways to be charitable because we're Masons, but we should be charitable every day because we uh, we live to the tenets of the fraternity. Joe. Oh, yes. So with my time left, um, yeah, exactly like John said, um, it's a byproduct of being hoping to be a better person. Is that you just want to naturally and organically help those that are in need, um, and that's what makes you a good person. So Adam Smith's invisible hand. Yes. Yes. Okay. Um, I just like the. My, my jurisdiction doesn't do it, but I love visiting other jurisdictions that have this charge to the lodge. Uh, every, every person has a... Every human to, being. Every human claim, being has a, has a claim, claim to your kind offices. offices. Claim upon your kind offices. Yeah. Do good to all. All, yeah. I don't know about more especially the faithful or anything like that, yeah. but I would just say I like where it says, do good unto all. I think that's, that's perfect. So I talk about this actually tomorrow. I'm just giving all of my. How many times is he going to plug you this? Don't need to come oh, it's a good one. I'm going to plug my talk. When, Four thousand times. We look at <laughs> the distress, experiences, <laughs> widows, and and orphans. Um, those are the lowest of the low, and the people in the most dire situations, especially from like an Old Testament biblical perspective. If you look at like Elijah and or Elisha. Um, and uh, the You're widow not. and masonry calls us to minister to those in their time of greatest need and that to me is very fulfilling as as a mason 
So come listen to his talk tomorrow because he's done about 90% of it. Okay? <laughs> so, all right, ready? Yeah. This is a quick one York versus Scottish Rite. Ooh. Oh, that's, Ooh. Oh, that's dangerous. That's, right that's an easy one. Yeah. Oh, then you go first. All right. All right. Mr. Easy One, go. If you live in the northern jurisdiction, you join York Rite. <laughs> John. Fair enough. Uh, Albert Pike, symbolism for the win. Scottish Rite. Joe. Uh, York Rite. You get to finish the story of Hiram. You get to hear the rest. Hot take. Me. Nice. Hot take. Um, yeah. Neither. The Master Mason degree is that capstone of your spectacular <laughs> Blue Lodge yes. experience. <laughs> <laughs> you get to the Royal Arts degree and you're like, that was it? We're I'm shaking the test. Really? I'm punching you. determined that's okay. that it. Right. Learn it. <laughs> is that all? I, hey, I didn't oh, ostracize yeah. you when that's I disagreed. It. I mean, every time. Never mind. Here's my care face. What do you got? Yeah. What do you got? All right, ready? What keeps you going back to Lodge? John. John. Fellowship and education. Joe. Uh, the brothers that I actually care about and love. Right. RJ. Oh. Uh, the obligation I took to be there because I'm a secretary. <laughs> <laughs> and, uh, and then me. Uh, guilt. Is that guilt? Yeah, maybe it's guilt. <laughs> maybe no, it's guilt. I mean, I said I would be there, so I would be there, right? Like, that's. Mm -hmm. <laughs> In the immortal words of Gavin Rossdale from Bush, the things we do for the people that we love, and it really comes down to me going to Lodge to be with the people I love. All right. <laughs> All right. Savage. Quick, quick one. Keeping new members interested. Jason. Okay. Like how? Keeping, I just said keeping new members interested. Keeping them involved. That's the single biggest issue that I feel like we have with EAs not progressing further and Fellowcrafts not progressing further. We give them this amazing degree and then we say, okay, we'll see you in six months. Or go join. The yeah, learn, learn a bunch of stuff. See, I said stuff, not shit. <laughs> he John. called this. Oh, we gotta delete that. This shit um, <laughs> yeah, I'll build on that and say give them a job to do, right? Um, Find their strengths and let them apply that immediately to the lodge, so they feel like the toilets need scrubbing, right? Like a valued member of the lodge, uh, to to whatever it is. And I've heard stories about you know brothers who just love to meet new brothers, and they're great. You're you're now our Walmart greeter of our lodge, and that's perfectly fine. So um, giving them a job to do and um, making it relevant to today's society. Yeah. Giving them something more to do than just sit at the sidelines at their first meeting. Um, you know, give them value for the money that they're paying. Let them read the minutes. Let them read the minutes. <laughs> Wait, Robert. Um, <coughs> you got three left. Making them okay. uh, your new best friend. So, uh, yeah. basically, really just going out of my way. Because uh, as my wife is, is constantly keeping me on track in terms of like, hey, you haven't talked to so-and-so in a while. I set up a date, we're gonna go over there, see the new place, and uh, the kids just turn this thing. So, you know, you gotta be a friend. Don't forget about your friends. <laughs> and so she keeps my relationships going often. And that's just always a problem for me because I'm flighty. And I think that uh, yes. if we go out and, 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 I, and I, uh, I make a, a purposeful phone call to somebody, hey, let's meet for coffee, let me buy you a coffee, and let's talk about the thing. Let's go over your catechism. I think that's really important. Keeps, you know, it, it's had good. Three left. Next. Three left. 
Three left. Quick then one. we're done. Tech enabled masonry. Yay or nay? What does that mean? Masonry with technology. Oh, like this? Like this. Like the six million dollar mason. Yes. Um, we can rebuild him. We have the technology. He knows all the ritual. So, so I guess <laughs> the, another way to ask it's the question is: floor work the is part of well, You got thirty seconds. Is there a limit to the amount of technology that it should be used for Freemasonry? Yes. And as long no. as it's um, with purpose, and, and and as long as it enhances the initiate uh, the initiatic experience and, and promotes the fellowship. Uh, of us here on Earth, why not? Like, let's let's go as far as we can. Robert, if I told you that by midnight I could write a script for your Alexa that would allow it to read any lecture if you just ask it to and enable the skill, you'd be like, "Hey Siri, give me the middle chamber lecture." Will you just use that in Lodge? Is that the kind of technology you're talking about? As long as it promotes the Girl. fraternity. Yeah. <laughs> I would say, okay, so I'm going to be really pointed with this one. Um, it absolutely enhances masonry like this, but this should not replace masonry for you. This should enhance it. And no video degrees. So Stop that. Learning style. So, Well, okay. I'm going to be dissenting vote. On video degrees? What? Wait, wait, wait. I will break I didn't this. Say, I, did not say, I did not say video degrees. I said people learn differently. Um, if you're learning to fix something on your car, you're going to go YouTube and Me, it. what John just said is categorically false. Let me tell you why. Masonry technology should be a way to enhance the interpersonal relationships and the experiences of Freemasonry. It should never be a substitute for it. Spicy ones. False. Right, ready? Uh, no one Two cares. more. Two G's. These are zesty. Zesty ones. Return to esotericism. Yay or nay? And why? 30 seconds. What did you come here to do? I came here to learn and to improve myself in masonry and and, and maybe subdue some passions and maybe do that as well. So your like, passions toward Joe Martinez, the passions. So yes, yeah. cool. so that, that's that's Scottish right, Southern yes. jurisdiction. Um, yeah, I think it. Uh, let's let's shoo away with the social club moniker that we've had for the last you know eighty years, and uh, let's get back to being a a craft driven lodge. Crafty. Let's start really figuring out what it means to improve ourselves in masonry mm -hmm. and improves our improve ourselves um, for that uh, spiritual building eternal in the heavens yep yes all right last one 30 seconds oh this is zingy is masonry christian was is no longer all right was is no longer some brethren find that a hard pill to swallow but we need to stand stand firm in the ecumenic ecumenicalism of the organization yeah i think that's true i also think that in order to continually so the duke of Sus sussex is the guy who who kind of made it secular but it took 20 years to make it happen uh, in that same respect we could and should introduce legislation at Grand Lodge levels that say we can adapt the ritual for the candidate. Like, I don't like it that we're allowed to put a Tanakh on the altar, but also the Bible has to be there. Right. Like, that's baloney to me. That's for the candidate. Okay. Open on the Bible, sure, if you want, if that's what you want to do. But Yep, I'm a big fan of... Uh 
I like calling things. In some places, I'm forced to call it the Holy Bible, no matter what book it is. I think that's stupid. Yeah. Um, it's the volume of sacred law, and that's as ecumenical as you can be. <laughs> so maybe we should actually do the things that we say. Um, Fun fact: Illinois legislation several years ago, they tried to change it from Bible to volume of sacred law, which is actually in our jurisdiction, according to the ritual, is a throwback. It's original. Oh, really? Oh, gee. For us, really. And a guy got up there and he said, no, I put my hand on the Bible. And he did this whole big thing and we were like, wow. And the entire Grand Lodge exploded in hoorahs. Why does that mean that everybody has to? I don't know, it was just wild to me. You're not doing it the way that I did it. You and I are different, you are beneath me. Interesting. So yeah, answer is no. Boom. Okay. That's it, guys. The hat's empty. The hat's empty. Did you take? Did you take out and throw away the white checkered bands? Yeah, I did because okay. it's stupid. Your face is stupid. <laughs> it was not intentional that we all wore the same. Well, I didn't. I don't wear. I don't do Vans. I'm no. Merry Christmas, Joe. Yeah. You know what you're getting. Yeah. What size shoe you wear? What size right. shoe is me? Uh, this Where's one. Where's the size? Hey, hey. What's something there, huh? Kids show. Yes. Okay. And a half, so here we are at the end of. TMR episode 400. I want to thank all of you all for being here, Stick, sticking around so late. Thank you. Uh, Woo! Thanking Mo the intern. Mo the intern! Oh, oh. We only had to fire him twice tonight. Yeah, exactly. Great. Yeah, and rehire him. Yeah. Uh, thank you guys for coming up on a whim and just sitting in the hot seat and just kind of sharing your thoughts. That yep. was fun. I uh, hope you guys enjoyed it. We had a blast. This was like this was a fun format. It was fun. Awesome. I liked it. We should yeah. do it again. So, so yeah. thank you for using that. And get ready for an awesome day tomorrow at Masonic Con South, y'all. 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 Woo. All right. That's all we got. Any, any parting words? Final thoughts? Masonic Con South. Y'all. See you tomorrow, <laughs> fart smellers. <laughs> Anything? Okay. All right. Love you all. Peace out. Good night. Wow.